When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. In Chicago, two comedian skeptics named Andy and Art were mysteriously abducted by the illusionary mastermind and conspiracy theorist known only as Mr. Mr. Bunker. Bunker. The following serves as a record of Bunker's attempt to convince non-believers of the truth about conspiracies and paranormal activity. Andy and Art give an uninterrupted presentation and verdict on the plausibility of these offbeat topics, delivering what they call the, the whole enchilada. Will Mr. Bunker convince these two skeptics any of this is real? Will it convince you? Welcome to Mr. Bunker's Conspiracy Time Podcast. As always, I'm your co-host, Art Stone. And with me, as always, is your co-host, Andy Hart. <laughs> it's me, Andy Hartpecker. <laughs> Andy Hartpecker pecking away at a tree, creating a small hole, wouldn't you say? Yeah, I would say. Uh, I hope you don't have... Uh... Tryptophobia or whatever it is where you have an aversion to weird patterns and stuff. Oh. Because. Yeah. <laughs> watch out for today's episode. That's true. Today's topic. A lot of patterns. A lot of patterns. Uh, a lot of shapes. That's because today, Andy, we're talking about male no. pattern baldness. <laughs> Bumfuckers, have you ever wanted a richer, fuller locks That's of hair? That's right. <laughs> and did you ever think it was out of your reach at your age and with your male pattern baldness? Well, we're here to report there is hope. When you come to hair treatment centers of the bunker, you'll be plugged completely full of dog hair. That's true. We have scoured the nation for every single dog grooming service, and we go in there and we, uh, without their knowledge, suck up dog hair. And we've confirmed with them, not their consent. They've asked us to not do this. That's right. And we suck up the dog hair and we'll stick it in your head for only $200 a hair. Through our complicated system of needles stabbing things into your scalp <laughs> you can look kind of like a dog yeah kind of like a dog man no andy we're talking the hollow fractal universe today hollow fractal universe uh, bunkfuckers i mean where do we start this this will hollow fracture your brain i mean look at look at how long the episode is and you you tell us okay <laughs> You know, that's don't what, let the timestamp deceive you. That's right. There's a lot coming after that. That's the kind of topic you're getting today. You're getting uh, physics. You're getting science. You're getting math, geometry, spirituality, consciousness, fucking sacred geometry. Uh, there's like CIA stuff. There's, I mean, what what is that? That's like eight different types of topics molded into one universal theory of physics. Our whole enchilada today is basically an entire Ryan's buffet rolled up. <laughs> In a tortilla. <laughs> That's right. We've thrown everything but the kitchen sink. Because you don't want to eat a kitchen sink. 
It's fucking disgusting. The kitchen sink. It doesn't taste that good. It's where you wash up. Speaking of kitchen sinks, today's topic was suggested to us by somebody who could be described as a human kitchen sink. <laughs> I don't know why. Yeah, but it just makes sense. It just makes sense. It just makes sense. The uh, Bunkfunker Extraordinaire. Bunkfunker Extraordinaire. Uh, patron, patron Extraordinaire. extraordinaire. Uh, beloved Bunkfunker. Proud patron. Possibly a ghost. <laughs> we might possibly <laughs> Cindy Margolis. We don't, we don't know. know. There's a lot of mystery around this bunk funker, but right. nonetheless, they are a a prized bunk funker and a great patron of this show. Thank you, Jeremy. Jeremy G. Jeremy G. Jeremy G. Not not the first episode suggested by Jeremy G. So Jeremy G. Thank you again. Thank you to Jeremy Another G. Another great great episodes. Um, an insane topic that. Bunkfunkers, honestly, we're going to put a disclaimer right at the top. Before the timestamp announcement, you know, we tried our best. It's very dense. We are not physicists. We are not eggheads. You know this about us. But we tried our damnedest to understand this and wrap our heads around it and explain it in the best, most easiest layman's way possible. So we tried our best. And we're sorry. If it doesn't come up to snuff for you egghead listeners, we are sorry. We are sorry. Please send us mean emails. Eggheads, please. Drag us on social media, eggheads. If you have to, go to the brand new fan-created subreddit r slash Pod and complain about it there. Cross-post this episode to r forward slash physics yeah. and have the physicists make us look like fools. That's true. But of course, if you can't wait to get to this topic, as always, check out the timestamp. Check out the description where the timestamp is located. There will be a timestamp. Takes you right to when the research begins because first, Andy and I got to update you on our lives. As daddies, in the bunk. What did you say? Into bulk? Into bulk? Into bulk? Well, uh, today we kind of bulked our tummies almost. Yeah, we are. Well, we thought we were. uh, Bunk Funkers, Art and I, of course, famously had our legal battle with Mr. Bunker in court where we prevailed um, and we left the trial uh, as misshapen oddities, horribly deformed. We also became family men by uh, legally adopting Peon Musk. An, a, a teenage undead Sasquatch yeah. and adult baby David Crosby. That's right. So we are now two daddies living here in the bunker, yep. heading down to the Applebee's hunting strange oh, in yeah. our spare time, living our best lives as family men. And this week, here's what happened in the lives of the daddies. That's right. We decided to. Enter a chili cook-off. Chili cook-off. Who doesn't love a good family chili cook-off? Everybody loves cooking competitions because you know why? Somebody loses and everybody eats. And somebody loses. A lot of people. One person. Everybody wins. Everybody wins in a way. (laughs) But somebody is definitely the loser because their food was not as good as everybody else's. Yeah, their food and their food makes you shit your pants. Yeah. (laughs) And so we entered as a family. So myself, Mm -hmm. Art. Mm-hmm. Peon Musk, mm-hmm. adult baby David Crosby. Mm-hmm. We all a family effort. Four of us entered a chili cook-off, uh, and we we decided we're going to use the recipe for chili, not a classic recipe no. that uh, Art no, no, and no, I no, have no. done for generations. No, 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 no. Um, my family is from Chile, and we have a great recipe for not it. Not Chile. No, not Chile. Not the chili. country in South America. They're from Chile. They're from Chile. My my grandfather was a chili golem. Uh, brought to life by dark incantations, and my grandmother. Basically, was an a onion. wizard cummed on a can of Skyline Chili, and it created this chili golem. Yeah, chili golem. And my grandmother was an onion, anthropomorphic <laughs> onion. And 
So I've been making chili my whole life. Chili's uh, a part of your blood. It's literally in my blood. It's in your DNA. Uh, it's literally in my DNA. I'm 30% bean. <laughs> and, you know, 100% beef. You know what I'm saying? Oh, yeah, you're beef. Because I'm hogged out. And so we're not using one of our traditional recipes. No, though. no, no. No, no, no. We decided, hey, let's have fun. This is a family activity. Right. Peon Musk and adult baby David Crosby can make their own chili recipe for the That's chili right. cook-off. That's right. So- we let them develop their own recipe, uh, and then we 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 went to this chili cook-off. Now, I mean, this this chili that they made. Oh, chef's kiss. Chef's kiss. I mean, clearly, they learned a lot from me. You can see their influences. You can see that my chili golem grandfather and my anthropomorphic onion grandmother really, I felt like they were in the room with us. Yeah. And in fact, they were in the room with us. Wow. Uh, because they exist on another plane and can be summoned at any point wow. uh, by sacrificing a goat. Oh, my goodness. And so they came and they talked to the boys and they helped them come up with this chili recipe. And it is delicious. Yeah. One of the best I've ever had. Now, we decided we we then prepared to go to this chili cook-off. Now, in the interest of full disclosure for all you bunk funkers, I know you're interested. We, we heard about this chili cook-off in kind of a weird way. Yeah, we did. Uh, there was some kind of mysterious stranger... Guy in like a hooded cloak kind of a deal. Yeah. Came up to the door of the bunker. He seemed like one of these wizard types, but you know, wizards, they usually have the big hats. So mm -hmm. we were like, we were a little wary because you know, our feelings on wizards and sorcerers. And he seemed more like a ranger than a wizard. Seemed more like a ranger, some kind of Aragorn type or strider. Yeah. yeah. So we felt safe. We felt safe because Aragorn was a protector. Aragorn was a good dude. So we felt good about this chili cook-off, but- the guy comes to the door of the bunker. He knocks on the door. Knocks on the door. You know, and we're we're working on the chili and Peon Musk. He added a little bit of his touch, a couple of pieces of roadkill. Obviously, adult baby David Crosby had his own influence, which is he put a full Fender guitar in there. Um, you know, and a little bit of oregano. I think it was oregano. It sure looked like oregano. Yeah, it definitely looked like oregano. It was a very potent oregano, though. It, it smelled. smelled. I couldn't tell if it like was the oregano. runover skunk or whatever he put in. Yeah, I don't know, but it definitely had a skunky smell. Yeah. I mean, this was some this was some dank smelling oregano. Yeah, but it, it came from a very delicious chili. Yeah, it made the chili very delicious. So this, and it this, made me really sleepy. I mean, <laughs> Pion must have put some turkey in there because I was feeling the tryptophan. <laughs> Oh boy. Oh boy. So anyway, this mysterious stranger mysterious tells stranger. us, "Hey, there's a chili cook-off." And then he gives us these weird directions to this uh this place out in the woods, but it's like, "Okay, you know, we've been to things in the woods before. Where else would you have a chili cook-off?" Some people have things in the woods. There's a clearing in the woods. I this mean, is where folks gather. Yeah, if you want to have a chili cook-off in the middle of the forest versus a parking lot or like yeah. a it's I I'm not going to judge. Yeah. So, you know, the guy told us about the chili cook-off and then just Sort of walked away. And yeah, he kind of like paraded his cloak around very flamboyantly. It was like a little over the top. I thought, like, okay, we get it. Jeez, I, I really hope this guy isn't a wizard. That seems like a wizard move. Right. We're but like, we get it. We get it. You know, away. And he kind of like but it, fancied I off. just didn't tell anybody else in the neighborhood. He just kind of wandered away. And it's right. like, okay, cool. Whatever, but dude. We love chili cook-offs, so we're going. We're going to go. So we take this delicious... Uh, oregano and roadkill and guitar chili, and we head out to the woods with our family yeah, uh, on foot. Uh, and when we get to the woods, to the place where the guy told us to go, mm -hmm. the only thing that's there is an abandoned shack, like this run down, you know, shanty kind of a thing with 
moss all over it, plants growing through the bottom of it. There's holes in the roof, and it's like, well, this is not a very welcoming spot. This is not alluring. I would not have, if I was running a chili cook-off, which one day I might, uh, I would not put it there. Uh, mm -hmm. It's very foreboding, does not feel like chili, which is very warming and fun. Right. So, And you know what was weird, too, is there was nobody else there. Yeah. We, we, that we, actually was, now that you mention it, very weird. We, no one else there. No chili dunk tank. Mm -hmm. No throw a, throw a thing of chili in a, in a clown's face. No uh, chili eating contest. No bobbing for chili apples. No, <laughs> no chili fun house. Yeah. All the things you expect to see along with tons of people at chili cook-offs. Yeah. There's None supposed to be chili galore. No clowns throwing up chili balloons. My favorite Bond actress uh, character, Chili Galore. Um, but there's supposed to be chili everywhere, uh, and there was none of this. There was no carnival stuff. Uh, <laughs> From the spy who cooked me? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm fond. James fond. Onion pussy. <laughs> <laughs> Oh boy, oh boy, oh boy. Oh boy. We're having Too fun. fun. But uh, yeah, no people there. No people there. And so it's kind of like, uh well, who are we competing against? Because yeah. it's not a cook-off unless there's competition. Right. So about the time we're looking around, all of a sudden, the door of this shack just flings open. It looks like Shrek. It looks like out of Shrek from the outhouse. From the intro of Shrek. Yes. Exactly. Yes. Somebody, you know, just yeah. instant. Like, yeah. that's what it looked like. And that's exactly what but it no looked Smash like. But no Smash Mouth playing, because again, Smash Mouth has to play at all Chili Cook-Offs. Yeah. Can't have a Chili Cook-Off without Smash, Smash Mouth. Mouth. It's, not, it's not Smash Mouth. With, it's not Chili Cook-Off without Smash Mouth. But no Smash Mouth. There was so no Smash Mouth. Door flings open. Door flings open. This, this man walks out, this buff guy. Uh, scraggly. Scraggly looking buff guy. Buff. Uh, really buff. You know what? Strangely think of buff. if you watch that shitty fucking movie on Amazon, The Tomorrow War. Uh, think of J.K. Simmons in that movie, beefed out, hogged. I mean, beefy. J.K. Simmons is a beefy guy. Yeah, he's buff now. Yeah, but he has that like old scraggly beard and those crazy eyes. That's kind of what this guy looked like. Yeah, that's kind of that's kind of the effect that we had here. And I mean, I couldn't shake it. There's something was so familiar about this guy, but I yeah. couldn't place it. Yeah. Did you feel that? Yeah, I definitely got that feeling. Um, you know, normally when I'm at a chili cook-off, I feel totally safe. I let my guard down. Literally, I take my mouth guard out of my mouth. I say, I'm ready to eat chili. I'm ready to have fun. I'm not trying to put up any walls here, or like play a, play a, put on a face. I'm at home. Yeah. Did not feel that. Kept the mouth guard in. Was in a defensive stance. Yeah. Ready to protect my kids. Yeah. Daddy mode. Yeah, we went full daddy mode. We were like a couple of two daddy bears yeah. out there protecting our cubs. And, I mean, this guy just starts screaming nonsense at oh, us. He raving. keeps saying stuff like, it's me, Mr. Bunker. I'm not even wearing a costume. It's me, the same Mr. Bunker that abducted you for multiple, more than a year. Yeah. Routinely, you fought me in court. You live in my former home now. You took everything from me, including my best friend, your, who you're raising as a as a child, and he's just shouting this stuff, and it's like it's like, uh, so did we win or what? Like, there's no, are you the organizer of the chili cook off? 
first of all, who are you? And second of all, there's no competition. So where's our trophy? Yeah, and you could tell that I this guy was getting real exasperated. He was almost starting to break down and saying, like, seriously, guys, come on. This enough is enough. I know you guys have to know who it is. It's me, Mr. Bunker. Seriously. Or this is seriously not making any sense. I'm getting really frustrated. Yeah. And it's just like, okay, like, can we have our blue ribbon, please? At yeah. least. Like, if you don't have a trophy, I mean, yeah, you gotta have something. And then he just starts, he goes crazy and he's just like, this is the most obvious thing I've ever done. It yeah. should have been clear right from the start right. that I was the cloaked stranger on your porch asking you to come to this chili cook-off. Nobody has chili cook-offs in the woods. I didn't even tell anybody else in the neighborhood. Right. You came here and there was clearly nobody else here. This is a totally secluded spot. This is so obvious. Right. How can you be this dumb? Just... On and on and on. Yeah, he wouldn't shut up. I was and, starting. To, I was really getting wizard vibes from this guy. Yeah, he definitely felt like a wizard. And you know, as two daddy bears, that's really that's making the hair on the back of our necks stand up. That's making our bear hair stand up. Bear hair, fully erect, at the thought of a wizard because we do not like wizards. We no. do not support wizards. No, we magicians, don't get along with wizards. No, magicians fine. Or, or no, no. no we, fuck oh magicians. fuck! Oh my god! Magicians are on the list as well. I mean. For me, at least, fuck everybody that practices magic. Wow. Even sleight of hand, fuck you. But especially the dark arts. The person, the wizard, the wizard that cummed on the chili that yeah. turned my grandpa real. Right. Sorry. Divinators, evocators, necromancers, uh, fucking illusionaries. Mm-hmm. Fucking schools of magic. Ah, oh, um, those four specifically, though. Especially those four. Fuck them. <laughs> so you know he just I, the guy is just freaking out and it's like well okay yeah so we just decided to come back to the bunker and he followed us all the way here and then locked us in the studio and left it's yeah like, with a big sigh like a big over like drawn out very flamboyant it was like okay it's like yeah okay well, you didn't have to follow us we live here and he's just like you two are so fucking annoying. <laughs> and we were like, we know. That's our shtick, weirdo. God. But a very weird experience. Um, you know what? I just have to kind of say out loud to all the bunk funkers listening. I'm almost glad that this happened so that I could say this. Don't don't deface the 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 love and the fun of a chili cook-off like that. No. Don't use a chili cook-off for any means other than an actual chili cook-off to have fun. Um, don't don't bring down the good name of a chili cook-off. Chili cook-offs are supposed to be like, this is a sacred ritual for people. And this guy, whoever he was, yeah, really, really violated the societal contract we all have with each other about right the nature of a chili cook-off there's an unwritten rule in society that like you don't fuck with a chili cook-off because it's the it's rule a fun you know and, that's and, the rule and this guy is over here and it's just like you know what what is this world coming to yeah what when, is this world coming to when people use a chili cook-off as a ploy to yeah. try to belittle our family yeah because we're different back in my day you didn't even have to check your kids chili before giving it to them but nowadays yeah. Uh, fucking they'll put razor blades in the chili they put entire apples in the chili <laughs> you gotta be careful because some of these drug dealers they'll put drugs in the chili 
Try and get your kids hooked on drugs. God, I hate that. How drug dealers are always giving away drugs, trying to. It's like you don't have to give free samples of everything, okay? Drug dealers, drug dealers, quit acting like you're Costco, okay? And giving out free samples everywhere to everybody, yeah. especially clandestine ways where we have no idea who right. who provided the drugs. All right, just making us search for drugs to buy. Oh, I mean, back in my, it's like it's true. You know, back in my day, you used to be able to go out all night. To a chili cook-off. And your parents, they didn't care. Because they, they knew everything was going to be safe. Nope. Communities took care of each other. But what Back, is this world coming to? Yeah. And now there are so many rules on chili cook-offs. Oh, the rules I mean, on in chili cook-offs. In my day, we used to drink the chili right from the hose. And that was fine. <laughs> now today, oh, you got to have... The chili's got to be in individually sealed packages for everybody's safety. It's give like, me a break. Give me a fucking break. And then this it's, it's people like this, this random ranger slash possible wizard guy... Who's spouting off nonsense, and that's the reason why we can't have nice things anymore. That's right. That's right. Things once were again, so safe in the 1970s. Once again, wizards ruin society, and we can't say it enough. People who practice magic are bad for everybody. We got to get rid of these fucking wizards. Wizards are a problem. Sorry. Sorry, wizards. But fuck you. You fuck with the chili, you get the horns. Yeah. If you... F- <laughs> yeah. 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 I can't say it better myself. Yeah, exactly. You're going to, you fuck with my chili. I'm going to have some sour cream. You know what I'm saying? I'm not going to like that. Yeah. Sour cream au royale. Um, but, uh, you know, bunk bunkers, that's it. But you know what? Let's, let's turn it over to a positive note here, Andy. We have a bunker alarm. Oh my to God. Do we have a good bunker alarm? Do we ever? Do we ever? We are are so thrilled every time we get to tell you bunk funkers about a new patron That's for right. our show because we love all of our bunk funkers uh, and we especially love our patrons more than all the other bunk funkers. Honestly, most of the patrons funnier than us, way funny. <laughs> if the patrons did a podcast, <laughs> it would be infinitely more popular than the show yeah. <laughs> because, I mean, bunk funkers, if you have the means and you are so inclined and you've been thinking about becoming a patron do it just to get in the Discord because it oh, is yeah. a lot of fun. Yeah, the Discord's uh, hilarious. Everybody in there is very funny and very fun and kind and friendly. And it's they're way more funny and talented than we have ever been. So yeah. So they, that's a true fact. Yeah. We live in the shadow of everybody that's in the Discord. So we have a new patron to announce uh during this episode. So thank you to our newest patron, Bina Rose. Thank you, Bina. Bina, we are so glad to have you as a patron of this show. And we thank you so much for your support for allowing us to uh create more content. That's uh, right. Exactly like this. That's true. very irritating, um, obnoxious <laughs> content. So thank you, Bina. We're so grateful. And for you, especially Bina, this is for you. We want to give you a very special bunker alarm. So I'm going to fire up the Bunk Tech Bunker Alarm yep, 3000, one of the most sophisticated pieces oh, yeah. of equipment that allows us to play a perfectly synced alarm for today in your honor, Bina. That's true. So, your honor. Um, you know, per Bunk Funkers requests, we have programmed the Bunk Tech Bunker Alarm 3000 to make very loud noises. That's true. Uh, when I use it. And today is going to be no different. So That's right. let me find an alarm. You're going to fire it up. Oh wow! Goodness, it's like a uh, it's like a motorcycle. 
Yeah. Oh, baby. He's got a diesel engine. Yeah, listen to that clutch. Oh, God. You, you might need to downshift. You got to clean the fuel line. Ooh, here's a good one. Hey, we found one. It's a loud machine. It's a mean machine. Um, so, Bina, thank you again for your support. Thank you for your patronage. Thank you for being a beloved Bunk Funker proud patron. This bunker alarms for you. Here we go in three. One. Here we go in three. Oh, you can keep going. I'm just taking a drink. I mean, the bunker alarm's going to play, so there's oh. no problem. <laughs> oh, that's true. I'm sorry. I just didn't want you to miss it and oh, be scared right, by right, the right. alarm and spit yeah. out your water. Sure. Here we go in three, two, one. Wow. Interesting alarm choice. Beautiful. Perfectly synced. Yeah, perfectly synced. Yeah, that was, you can't tell that there's, you know, more than one source for that audio. Yeah. So, Bina, that bunker alarm was for you. Thank you again. Thank you, Bina. Um, and thank you, uh, Bunkfunkers, for listening and hanging in with us. We love it. We love interacting with all of our Bunkfunkers out there. Thank you to all the Bunkfunkers. Um, now let's get into it, Andy. This is a very, very heady topic, Bunkfunkers. I'm gonna. <sighs> I want you, Bunkfunkers, to be in the right state of mind here. I don't know if this is a uh, this is a 8 a.m. on Monday morning kind of episode. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. But uh, Bunkfunker is a very heady topic. Hope you can digest it, but uh, let us know what you think. Anyway, here it comes. Unified physics theory. It's going to unify our whole world. We're all connected. We're all one. This is the holofractal universe theory here on Mr. Bunker's Conspiracy Time podcast. Mind blown. Bunkfunkers, we're here to bring you guys to Hall and Solata on the Hall of Fractal Universe, bud. We have scoured the internet for various trippy visuals and sick connections to show you all how we're all one. One whole enchilada. So let's dive in, okay? Hey, get out of here! Oh, hey, oh, dude, come on, bro. Get off oh, our show! This is my... That's my behold. Ugh, Jesus. Jesus. Fucking. Sorry, Bungfunkers. Our cousins who like to trip on psychedelics are here, and they think that... Oh, 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 God, it hurts my eyes. Some kind of bright wormhole-like light. All right, go on. Get. Get out of here. What? You're... You're me? Yes. We're cosmic, Andy, and cosmic art. And we need you both to get off the show. Eh? And why's that? Because you both did this whole cousins took over the show bit already like five episodes ago. And we flew across the galaxy through a friggin' wormhole to truly give the Bunkfunkers a black hole enchilada on the holofractal universe theory. So scram, lesser fractals. Uh, I mean, all right, I guess we'll just go fucking sit over here. I guess, yeah. Kind of rude. What are we supposed to do? I mean, travel through a wormhole. We don't have a fucking wormhole to go through. Fuck this. Stupid bullshit. I'm going to sit on the toilet. 
Anyway, sorry, Bunk Funkers, but hey, that actually was a great segue into the holofractal universe theory because much like everything in the universe, even your beloved co-hosts are fractals of lesser or greater magnitude. Boy, those lesser ones are so friggin' hacky. Not like us cosmic versions. Ooh, shawee! I ate a big chili dog and now I'm a real gas giant. <laughs> See, that's funny on a cosmic level. That's <laughs> yeah, cosmically funny. That's funny in any universe. Those lesser fractals could never do humor like that. Stupid so. hacks. Well, what's funny about this whole holofractal universe theory? <sighs> boy, oh boy, bunk bunkers. Count your chickens because uh, things are about to get very egg-heady in this episode. You physics freaks will freak out at this one with a pH. And the holofractal universe theory is a universal theory of physics that attempts to explain, well, basically everything. And while we might be cosmic, we're still not eggheads. And so our attempts to explain the math and physics behind the holofractal theory will be limited, but we'll give it our best. All right. So what does it mean to be a universal theory of physics, right? Well, many theories attempt to do so, but none, at least agreed upon by the larger scientific community, um, have ever accomplished. And that is to explain the worlds of the cosmic and the relative levels, right? That, that, that has their own language and their own math. And the quantum level, right? So small. And that has its own language. And universal physics theories want to use the same language to explain both. But nobody's ever done this. They want to unify the physical equations, the science and the math of the cosmological world, the galaxies, the planets, the stars, gravity, Einstein's field theory, right? And the quantum world, subatomic structures, atoms, quarks, molecules. The two have never agreed. Gravity and the physics of the relative world are very smooth. Gravity is described like a large ball on a trampoline, right? Causing a depression in space-time where it lies. With the other ball rolling around the first one, circling it, appearing to orbit the first ball, but in reality is actually oscillating around the depression caused by the first ball. Whereas the quantum world, very linear, very granular, equations causing boundaries, everything moves in quanta, exact segments. So they're very different worlds. Einstein and many scientists have aimed to marry these two worlds. At its core, the holofractal theory also attempts this marriage of two worlds. Like my favorite movie of all time, my subatomic nearly massless quark wedding. What a movie. What a great movie. Oh, oh my God. The family dynamics. <laughs> so funny. They're just like us. Just like us, these quarks. What holofractal is saying is that the universe is made up of bits of information, like the very bits that form code in a computer, and that the information of the entire system is fractally encoded at every point through harmonic nesting layering, like a giant resonating holographic cymatic. And the entire system's information is entangled in a large network that expands and informs the entire system. It's all connected. A connected universe constantly in communication with itself and constantly expanding to higher and higher degrees of complexity. I feel like Charlie in the mailroom right now. Pepe Sylvia! I've been getting boxes of mail for Pepe Sylvia. <laughs> Pepe Sylvia, Pepe Sylvia, Pepe Sylvia. So I went to talk to Carol in HR. <laughs> Lo and behold, there is no Carol. <laughs> uh, that's what we feel like. You're freaking theory. out, dude. You need a cigarette. Bruce, can you give him a cigarette? <laughs> 
there's uh that's that's kind of what you know that 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 scene and especially well you might feel like that as well bunk bunkers but as you can see the holofractal theory has a lot of implications in not only the world of physics and math but also spirituality and thus a lot of different groups are interested in the holofractal theory i mean you've got eggheads interested in the physics of dark energy which supposedly allows our universe to expand and accelerate you've got eggheads who are into biophysics side of the theory and they gravitate towards the parts of the theory that explain why cellular structures look and function the way they do. Or why our DNA could actually be an antenna connecting our consciousness to the mother universe. More on that later. Then you've got a third group of eggheads interested in the conspiracy side. These eggheads are clearly the coolest ones at the lunch table, which is why nobody wants to sit with them, because they're so cool. I can relate. Yep. Happened to me. This is cool. They're interested in the CIA's documents on remote viewing and consciousness as it relates to this theory. Eggheads or into Terrence McKenna have made cameo appearances. Eggheads who love ancient knowledge and lost civilizations. Yes, we will be talking about how the ancient Egyptians used unearthed ancient technology, lost to time, to build the pyramids. They have featured performances in this grand cinematic connected universe. And finally, you've got a lot of eggheads who just are really into sacred geometry and the fractal shapes and other shapes and the flower life shapes. So many shapes. Oh, it's it's a very shapely topic. <laughs> yeah. If if you are still trying to learn your shapes and you're listening to this show, kudos to you because you're going to learn a lot about shapes. Yeah. But if you're sheepish about shapes, give this episode a try because I think <laughs> you'll feel shapish after this one. <laughs> all right. This is all well and good, but seriously, what the fuck are we talking about? <laughs> I don't know. Well, bunk buggers, hike up those shorts and lace up those kicks. And chug that Gatorade Frost, because we got to take you to school. We're going to dunk on your mind tummies. Let's start with an ancient tale from the 3rd century, originating from Buddhist philosophy. A lot of holofractal people reference this tale to help explain the theory. It's called Indra's Net. Far away in the heavenly abode of the great god Indra, there is a wonderful net which has been hung by some cunning artificer, in which, in such a manner that it stretches out infinitely in all directions. In accordance with the extravagant tastes of deities, the artificer has hung a single glittering jewel in the eye of the net. And since the net itself is infinite in dimension, the jewels are infinite in number. There hang the jewels, glittering like stars in the first magnitude, a wonderful sight to behold. If we now arbitrarily select one of these jewels for inspection and look closely at it, we will discover that in its polished surface, surface, there are reflected all the other jewels in the net, infinite in number. Not only that, but each of the jewels reflected in this one jewel is also reflecting all the other jewels so that there is an infinite reflecting process occurring. So, keep that story in mind, bunk bunkers, and see if it makes sense at the end of the episode. Or if anything makes sense at the end of the episode. Very true. All right, let's learn about fractals and black holes. Fractals are best explained by thinking about a snowflake. If you look at a snowflake, it has a very specific, unique pattern and structure. But if you put one under a microscope and zoom in on it, you'll see that there's many, many other little structures that build up the snowflake. Each of these structures has the exact design of the larger snowflake. Self-similar structures. So you could zoom in and see the exact same thing you see when you zoom out. Like a perfectly looped GIF. The other important concept to get educated on in this theory is black holes. Black holes really rev up those cosmic physicist engines, baby. 
But what are they? Black holes, that is. Well, a simple Boolean search on the research site Pornhub returns a video. Andy, 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 Andy. We're recording Mr. Bunker's Conspiracy Time today. Not our other show. Oh, whoops, shoot. Uh, Sorry, Art. I accidentally used some of the research from Mr. Coomer's Pornography Time podcast. My bad. I'm sorry. You know, our other show. Yeah, our other show. I'm sorry, Bunk Bunkers. I got to get this over. I got to save this one for the Coombs Bunkers. So. <laughs> the Coombs Bunkers. Yeah. The Bunk Bunkers and the Coombs Bunkers. Yeah. The bunk, we have Bunk Bunkers for Mr. Bunkers Conspiracy Time Podcast and Coombs Bunkers for Mr. Coomer's Pornography Time Podcast. So, anyway, back to, uh, what are we talking about? Oh, yeah, holofractal universe. Uh, in physics, black holes have a great amount of matter packed into a very small area. <laughs> oh, God. Oh, Jesus. Oh, God. I got a hollow fractal in my throat. Oh, goodness. Um, <clears throat> so, in physics, black holes have a great amount of matter packed into a very small area. Think of a star 10 times more massive than the sun squeezed into a sphere approximately the diameter of New York City. The result is a gravitational field so strong that nothing, not even light, can escape. Carl Schwarzschild basically coined the existence of the black hole by straight up solving Einstein's first field equation for general relativity. He looked at it and he was like, I can fucking solve that. <laughs> not that hard. He discovered that matter compressed to a point now known as a singularity. Like if you took space and time and pinched it so hard it became a single teeny tiny point. It would be enclosed by a spherical region of space from which nothing could escape, a black hole. The limit of this region, or the boundary around it, the edge of the black hole, is called the event horizon, a name which signifies that it is impossible to observe any event taking place inside it, since the information is unable to get out. Now let's clarify that by saying we don't know what is going on inside those black holes. We literally can't see inside them because no information can leak out. They're too fucking dense. We can't see past the event horizon. Everything inside the black hole, we believe, in theory, is drawn towards the pinch of space-time that we described earlier, the singularity. Now, that sounds pretty fucking cool. Yeah. Okay? Even for non-hangheads like us, okay? But also, mm, terrifying on a cosmic level. Very much so. To think that there's this giant structure that's sucking in everything and we can't get inside of it and we don't know what's going on. And then if you do find out, you'll never escape. That's true. Which, you know... It's kind of like getting into a conversation with us. <laughs> yeah. You start a conversation with me, it's a black hole of your life. That's true. So, astronomers actually believe, though, that supermassive black holes lie at the center of virtually all large galaxies, even our own Milky Way. Astronomers can detect them by watching their effects on nearby stars and gas. So, uh, these things are everywhere throughout our universe, Andy. I mean, there's like, what, a bajillion galaxies out there in the universe? Yeah, that's the, at the most recent count, I believe that was the number. There are one bajillion galaxies. Yeah. I mean, the universe is ever expanding. We'll talk about it. The galaxies are being created every single day. Yeah. And uh, there's black yeah, holes. Yeah, they're coming out with all these new galaxies. Oh, and it's like, God. I just miss the classic galaxies. Andromeda. Yeah. Milky Way. Oh, uh, Milky Way version one? Ooh, baby. If you weren't alive for that, oh, brother. I've been to New Milky Way, and it is not worth the visit. No. Overmarketed for sure, dude. Now, here's the thing. You all have graduated from Bunker's School of Hard Knockers with a degree in THO, titty hard-ons. Right. Okay. Congratulations. Congratulations. And you shook our sweaty hands. 
you got your tho degree it's time to deep dive okay you understand black holes you understand fractals right that's what you need to know we're going to deep dive into the black hole of nasim mm -hmm. haramain's um holofractal universe theory okay yeah he is basically the bulk of the holofractal theory comes from him and his papers and his research institute kind of drawing off of holographic which is a different theory Right. We're not discussing that. We're discussing holofractal. Holofractal. So, uh, Nassim Haramein was always fascinated by physics and the nature of our world, but he was always at odds with it as well. Like we mentioned earlier, the relative physics theories don't play nice with the quantum world. They are always at odds. But Haramein doesn't see it that way. He thought the big stuff, the cosmos, the planets, the quasars, the stars, etc., it's all made up of all the little stuff, the atoms, quarks, protons, etc. So how are they not related? Why can't they work together in the same language of physics and math? So he set out to describe the coexistence of finite, of the finite, the quantum world, and infinite, the cosmic world, systems. Remember that snowflake fractal example we talked about earlier in your schooling? <laughs> how the, in class. Remember that from class? How the small molecular structures of a snowflake are the same structures as the entire snowflake? Like, they're the same design. If you were to zoom in and out between these two structures, it would look like that never-ending, perfectly looped GIF. Haramain believes this is our universe. Our universe applies the exact same principles. If you zoom out towards infinity and you look at our galaxy... It may have the exact same boundaries and structure and design and shape as zooming in towards affinity on a cell within our bodies or an atom or a quark down to the most minute quantum measurement. Just like the snowflake, the outside structure is the same on the inside. Now, our smallest protons and building blocks are fractals of the largest structures in the universe. We ourselves are infinite. We are made up of cells which are made up of atoms which are made up of subatomic particles and sub-sub-subatomic particles towards infinity. So we have these fractals, right? And they have similar structures. Like, okay, yeah, if you, you look at a cell, uh, or sorry, if you look at a galaxy or a star zoomed out, it does kind of look like a cell or an atom. You know, you can find pictures of that, brain cells. A brain cell looks a lot like a galaxy cluster. Mm -hmm. Okay, we all see, we could see pictures of that. But how are they linked? I mean, what the fractal is going on here, Andy? It's a great question. What connects all things in the universe? Asked Haramain. Space. Space. Space exists in between us. It exists in between planets. It exists on the quantum level. Space, I mean, exists. That's the most thing that exists in between all those tiny subatomic particles. Yeah. There's space everywhere. Space all, all over the place. There's no place like space. If you think about it, most objects in our material world are actually made up of lots of space. There's more space than there is anything else. Empty space, that is. Even within physical material objects. Are you listening to this podcast on your phone? First of all, why? Yeah. Make better use of your time. Yeah. I mean, you probably could be getting something done instead of this. <laughs> but if you are getting something done, like doing the dishes, great job. Great job. Keep up the good work. We applaud you. Uh, second of all, well, if you could zoom in on your phone over and over to the atomic level, your phone is made up of trillions of atoms. And when you get to that level, God, there's a lot of fucking space between them. So much fucking space between these atoms. Go even further to the subatomic level and there's even more space. 
like 99.9% repeating of space. So maybe objects don't define space, but space defines objects. After all, there's a hell of a lot of it, right? Haramain theorized that space is not actually empty, but is instead a fluctuation or vibration of energy, which helps define our reality. Like, he means there's actually energy in space. We just can't see it or feel it because it's on the subatomic level. In quantum field theory, the energy field which exists in space is renormalized because otherwise it would exist in infinity. Let me explain that in a non-egghead way. <laughs> when the eggheads do equations and calculations of things on the quantum level, they have to renormalize the energy density, uh, the numbers that they get that exists in the vacuum of space so as not to get these outrageous, stupid numbers that make no sense. That's basically what I'm trying to say. In physics, you either get numbers which are infinitely small, which, you know, typically you can ignore because they are so small, like me. You can ignore me. Yeah. Um, or you get numbers which are infinitely large, which you can't ignore because they're so huge in your face, like Andy. Yeah. Can't ignore me, bunkfunkers. <laughs> so what's a physicist to do? Should you say, ah, shit. My fucking theory works for everything else, but it doesn't work except for this, you know? Should I just throw it out and start over? Or do you renormalize the numbers using a fundamental constant so that they are all brought to the same standard point of understanding? And if you were to do that, how would you do that? Well, enter Planck's constant. Max Carl Ernst Ludwig Planck was a German physicist. Big shocker there. With that name? <laughs> I would assume he was Argentinian. <laughs> I would have assumed. I would assume. Yeah, yeah, we get it. Anyway, he's German. The bit's there. Who, uh, <clears throat> anyway, Max Carl Ernst Ludwig Planck, who first discovered this, uh, who was the first to discover this minute measurement, the literal smallest energy quanta, the smallest theorized piece of segmented energy imaginable. It's the smallest thing the universe does that makes any sense before goofy, wacky quantum mechanics takes over. Another way of describing Planck's constant would be the distance an electron jumps in an electron shell once it reaches that specific Planck threshold. They jump in quanta. Again, the quantum world is integer and the cosmic world is smooth. Think of it like a single pixel size of our universe. If our universe was a shitty MS Paint drawing, a massive... One trillion terabyte MS Paint drawing, the Planck distance would be one pixel on that drawing. So a lot of the times, physicists will use Planck's various constants and, and different measurements that he has to renormalize their data on a level that makes sense. Right. It's like the smallest possible thing. So you're you're getting, you know, you're fudging the numbers a bit, but it's on a constant level. It's all math. Right. You get it, bunk workers. It's just a common reference point. Common reference point. To start. Like as, as the assumption. smallest possible thing. Yeah, to make an assumption. Right. Yeah. Now, Planck has a ton of different measurements, like I just said, but his distance is equal to like roughly 1.616 times 10 to the negative 33 centimeters. Very, very small. That is 10 with 33. I mean, that is 33 fucking zeros. It's a lot. Yeah. So, like a point... One point, like 33 zeros before you get to the one. Right. So Haramain was like, I believe the vacuum of space is full of energy on the quantum level and we can't see it. But how is he going to prove such a statement? Well, 
The way he started is by seeing how many of those Planck's distances could he fit into a centimeter cube of space, right? This is all theoretical math. This is theoretical physics. It's, there's no experiments happening. It's just math and thought processes, right? So theoretically, they calculated a centimeter cube of space filled with bits of mass weighing 10 to the negative 5 grams and those, those bits of mass being one Planck's distance in length. The result that they found when they calculated that, they, they're trying to calculate the energy density of that volume, was damn near infinity. They got 10 to the 93 grams per centimeter cubed. I mean, that number is damn near unfathomable. That's a lot of zeros. That's a lot of fucking zeros. I mean, one way to visualize this would be to think about all the people who can't stand Andy and I. <laughs> Even that number, 10 with 93 zeros after it, doesn't come close to the actual number of people who can't stand us. It's a lot more. Oh, I mean, yeah, but I think that gets the point across, right? It's, it's Oh, it's big. Yeah, yeah it's that big. gets the point across. It's big. It's a lot. <laughs> it's a big number. A lot of people don't like us. A lot of people. But for a real theoretical comparison, if you took all the stars in the universe, all of them, and you squished them together in a giant Star Wars trash compactor into a centimeter cube of space, right? Every single star in the fucking universe, put them all into a cube of space. You would only get 10 to the 55 grams per centimeter cubed of energy density. That means the energy density of the space around us is 39 orders of magnitude more dense with energy than every single star in the friggin' universe. I mean, Haramine was like, what the fuck? This is fucking crazy, dude. Whoa, dude. He believed he was right, dude. Space is not empty. It's full of energy. Yeah, brother. That's right. That's fucking rad right there. Get her done. Get her done. Even today, though, here's the thing. It is observed that our universe is not only expanding, but accelerating. We've covered this before in Mm -hmm. other topics. Yeah. But what drives its foot on the gas pedal? What is driving the universe to expand? A theorized dark energy or vacuum energy, right? Now, could this energy be that thing that... Haramain theorized this this 10 to the 93 grams per centimeter cubed, this dark energy. But Haramain wasn't done there. He felt he'd found that indeed the vacuum of space is not empty, but actually has a very dense energy within it. But he also theorized that the vacuum of space divides every structure in our universe on a very specific scale. But he had to prove it. Teaming up with Elizabeth Rauscher, Haramain published Scale Unification, a universal scaling law. Here's the abstract of that paper. From observational data and our theoretical analysis, we demonstrate that a scaling law can be written for all organized matter utilizing the Schwarzschild constant describing cosmological to subatomic structures. Of interest are solutions involving torque and Coriolis effects in the field equations. And in non-egghead terms, this is not from the paper, this is us. Uh, In non-egghead terms, sought to prove that an that all organized matter from the entire cosmos to subatomic structures are related on a linear scale of energy density in terms of Hertz versus the radius of the matter. Essentially that everything from the largest structure you can think of, uh, AKA the universe itself down to the smallest, some sub subatomic particle are fractals of one another. And the two points and the points at which they jump between fractals fall into the phi ratio or Fibonacci sequence. It's all connected. Basically, that's the motif, right? The universe is so dense, 
with the vacuum of space, which again is not really empty space, but is insanely energy dense, as we mentioned earlier, that it behaves much like a black hole. In fact, Hermione believes that we might live in a black hole. More on that later. As we mentioned, black holes are so dense that nothing can escape, not even light. Well, if you were to shine a light out into our universe, right, it would refract or bend off various objects that it comes into contact with, like stars and planets and shit, and like little fucking satellites and shit running around, little astronaut men, okay? But it would go on forever and never escape. Thus, Hermione proposed that, hey, our universe actually fits this Schwarzschild condition for being a black hole and would make our universe a black hole. Our universe is so dense that light could never escape it. So here's what they did in that paper. They imagined a, well, they didn't imagine it, they plotted it, but in your mind's eye here, Bunkfunkers, you obviously can Google this and we recommend that you do to truly understand it. But imagine a X and Y graph, right? X and Y where X is the radius of the object. Radiuses are, of course, the distance from the center point to the edge. Right. That's a radius. Diameter is the full edge to edge. Okay? Right. Um, y is the energy density in hertz. Okay? Now, the universe is very low on the Y axis, but it's the farthest thing on the right axis, on the X axis. And that kind of makes sense, right? The universe is literally the largest thing we know. So its radius, which is measured on the x-axis again, is the biggest radius there is. Uh, I mean, besides the radius of our egos. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing could equal that. Oh, <laughs> uh, we're so great. Two pi r squared. Mm, I'll take two pies. <laughs> Me too. Mm, Boston cream and banana. Wow. Nah, just kidding. Cherry and banana. Wow. Give me peach and... Really? Minced meat. Get the fuck out of here. Chicken pot pie and uh, s'mores cheesecake. Okay. You don't like cheesecake. <laughs> I do. Do you? Yeah. Oh, I'm thinking of somebody else. Oh, wow. So I like all the desserts. That's true. But, here, okay, so here's the thing. Universe, biggest thing there is. Farthest on the right on the x-axis, right? Can't go any farther than the universe. But it's so big that its energy density is so spread out, the y-axis is actually pretty fucking small. So it's like basically right on the x-axis, but very small, almost at zero on the y-axis, but it's not. So next, they plotted galactic centers, stellar objects like stars. Okay, they're mapped out, and suddenly they started seeing, whoa, these things are lining up in a straight line. Uh, it's like a linear line. It's not straight, but it's, I mean, it's a straight line. It's a straight linear line, but it's not um, going up and down. It's um, it's kind of like a, uh, what would you say? It's a downward slope from right. the y-axis to the x-axis. Yeah, the smallest thing is the highest up on the y-axis. Right. And the the lowest thing is the furthest thing on the x-axis. So these galactic structures, they're obviously getting smaller in radius, but their energy densities are going up and everything is going in a straight linear progression. So right. then he was like, whoa, whoa, dude, this is fucking crazy, dude. <laughs> So then he plotted an atom, okay? That's pretty small. And it lined up in this same linear pattern with the universe. Likewise, so did the Planck's distance, again, which is the smallest observable distance imaginable, which you can imagine those were very high up on the y-axis and very, very small on the x-axis, almost zero on the x-axis, right? So Hermine's got this linear progression scaling from the smallest thing in the universe to the largest thing in the universe, being the universe itself. And this handful of data points along the line they're all mapping out in a linear progression. Then he was like, whoa, dude, 
what's the jumping point between these two things, dude? So if you map out the relationship of each data point, you find that it is nearly a match of the pi ratio or phi ratio uh, of 1.618. The phi ratio is found almost everywhere in nature. It's known as the golden ratio. Phi is closely as associated with the Fibonacci sequence in which every subsequent number in the sequence is found by adding together the two preceding numbers. This sequence goes 0, 1, 1, 2, 3, 5, 8, 13, 21, 34, etc. You get the idea. Here's some phi ratios throughout our world. Certain measurements of the Great Pyramid of Giza, such as the length of its base and or its height, are in the golden ratio. The number of petals in a flower consistently follows the Fibonacci sequence. Famous examples include the lily, seeds, pine cones, tree branches, seashells, hurricanes. Uh, there's spiral galaxies. Uh, you see this, uh, this ratio in most human faces. Uh, if we look at the length of our fingers, each section from the tip of the base to the wrist is larger than the preceding one by roughly the ratio of phi. Uh, you've got DNA molecules, very much a part of the golden ratio. The proportions of animal, of animal bodies, dolphins, various insects, sea urchins. The phi ratio is even said to be seen at the atomic level as well. The phi ratio structure, uh, Haramain believes, comes from the division of space itself. The vacuum of space, which we found to be dense with energy, divides and defines objects in the material world at very specific points along the phi ratio. Next, Haramain plotted a point for a microtubule. A microtubule... Tub tubule... I don't know what the fuck. Anyway, it's a structure in our bodies that helps give <laughs> cells their shape. It's important. Among other things, it's microscopic, baby. Can't see this with your eyes. I can't. He found that while it is very small, it is still quite larger than an atom. And also, it had an energy density higher than an atom. In fact, these necessary parts of our cellular bodies fell almost smack dab in the middle of the graph on the linear progression. Hermane believes that our structure... In this event is the event horizon. We are the event horizon. The boundary which divides the world of the extremely small to the extremely large. We're special. Yay. Finally. It's not just talk anymore. It's true. Let's take a brief moment here to pause and recap because this shit is dense, dude. It's dense. The vacuum of space, number one, the vacuum of space isn't empty, but instead is full of energy at the quantum level. Two, this energy has a very specific parameter or boundary that it is defined in a particular segment, like a fractal. Three, the energy jumps between fractals are defined by the energy of the vacuum, and these jumps also relate to the golden ratio, which is why it's seen throughout the universe. And four, everything is connected from cosmos to quantum. So, what's left to prove? I mean, what else are we here to discuss with the holofractal universe? Well... You might be wondering about this whole vacuum of space deal because uh, it's a bold claim, right? I always thought it was the, you know, space is empty. Yeah. You know, it, it, that's the whole thing. It's a vacuum. Yeah. I mean, when Dave Matthews Band sang about the space between, there was nothing about energy density that's in that right. song. That's right. And they needed to clarify that. Yeah. So, I mean, this is theoretical physics, though, Andy. It gets a little wacky. But this vacuum of space thing, is it uh, really not empty? Well, I know something that could fill this space. Enter the Casimir effect. 
It was theorized even before Hiramane that space vacuums might not be empty, but instead are full of a dense, quote-unquote, dark energy. Modern physics has actually tested it to some degree and now assumes that a vacuum is full of fluctuating electromagnetic waves that can never be completely eliminated. These waves come in all possible wavelengths, and their presence implies that empty space contains a certain amount of energy, an energy that we can't tap but that is always there. It was first predicted in 1948 by Dutch physicist Hendrik Casimir, but Steve K. Lamoureux at Los Alamos National Laboratory initially measured the tiny force in 1996. No word on if Bob Lazar was involved in that work. <laughs> they placed mirrors facing each other in a vacuum. Uh, some of the waves will fit between them, bouncing back and forth, while others will not. As the two mirrors move closer to each other, the longer waves will no longer fit, the result being that the total amount of energy in the vacuum between the plates will be a bit less than the amount elsewhere in the vacuum. Thus, the mirrors will attract each other just as two objects held together by a stretched spring will move together as the energy stored in the spring decreases. This effect, that two mirrors in a vacuum will be attracted to each other, is the Casimir effect. It is generally true that the amount of energy in a piece of vacuum can be altered by material around it, and the term Casimir effect is also used in this broader sense. So hey, even modern physics believes there's energy in a vacuum. And that, along with what Hermain found in his scale theory, got him thinking about black holes. So he started to say, well, what if protons are black holes? Whoa. I mean, if we could describe the atom, right, and the protons that make up an atom as a mini black hole, then we can use Einstein's field equation to describe the atomic world, which would, in theory, merge the worlds of the relative and the quantum, which is a unified physics theory. Hermain described or decided to calculate how much vacuum, uh, how much vacuum space there was inside of a proton and asked, would it be enough to make it a black hole? So knowing through his earlier work that there is 10 to the 93 grams per centimeter cubed, he calculated, I mean, this is all theoretical. He calculated the density using the volume of a proton, which is around 10 to the negative 93 centimeters cubed, Right. So he filled that up with the 10 to the 93 grams and he found there is 10 to the 55 grams per energy of energy per proton volume. Uh, hello, where have we seen that number before? That's the exact same as the mass of the universe from earlier, dude. Oh, whoa. Remember when I said if you whoa. took all the fucking stars in the universe, and you yeah, packed you them? Yeah, you said it would be 10 to the 55th power. And he got 10 to the 55th. Jeez. Okay. Hermine was fucking floored. The vacuum is the thing that connects us all. Everything is entangled through the vacuum of space. Hermine published these findings in a paper where he labeled this black hole proton the Schwarzschild proton after that egghead Max Schwarzschild who discovered the whole black hole thing. But, but, but why do protons, which Hermine found to be incredibly energy dense, the same amount of energy that exists in the entire universe and exists in a proton. That's the implication of what we just told you is that every proton in every molecule has the entire energy of the entire the universe. The universe uh, worth of energy within the, it. The, all the energy in the entire universe is stored in a proton? And every proton. Yeah. That's, what, that's the implication of what we're saying. So if that's true, why, does, why don't proton, why do protons have such a small mass? 
10 to the negative 24 power grams. Are we really to believe that there's 10 to the 55th power energy density sitting in a 10 to the negative 24th power package? Right. I mean, I mean, are we trying to to you talk about physics here or am I trying to fool my wife again <laughs> about her sexual satisfaction? <laughs> oh, God, stop. I'm going to start crying. It's small, but it's dense with energy. <laughs> if the energy that makes up everything is what we call space, as in all the energy found in these structures is located in space and space divides itself to form these objects, then maybe we only see a small portion of that full energy. Maybe protons are holographic. They display information found elsewhere. They're displaying the energy, which is the sum of their parts. They are one part of a whole ecosystem, and they can showcase the energy of the entire system. This would mean that subatomic particles are entangled and linked through a network, just like a computer network. This is a concept called entanglement. It's literally that all particles and black holes are connected via wormholes throughout our entire universe through the network of space. We are seeing the full network's energy, the entire web work that connects all black holes and protons. That's the energy we're seeing. But when we look at that network, we only see it through one little node, a proton. So we're peering into the network and seeing its full potential, but not the full mass. This is kind of like uh, streaming movies on Netflix. How does such a tiny application have terabytes and terabytes of movie data? Well, that tiny application streams that massive catalog of data from a much larger server through the internet, where every computer with that application is connected. But believe you me, neither of us, neither me nor Art, are Netflix and chilling. No, 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 no. I am there to watch Netflix and chill. Not pretend to watch Netflix and have sex. <laughs> if you wanted to have sex, then say, hey, can we pretend to watch Netflix and have sex? Not Netflix and chill. Because if you tell me Netflix and chill, I'm putting on my jammies and I'm binging all the Adam Sandler, Sandler Netflix movies in a row. Because that's how I unwind True. every night. <laughs> now, this is some pretty egghead level stuff. I mean, all the Adam Sandler movies in a row, Andy? Yeah. Days a waste. I mean, if that's not no smart, wonder you never fucking get any sleep. If that's not smart, I don't know what is, <laughs> because you're gonna laugh. Yeah, you're gonna cry. Uh huh. You're gonna have to go to the bathroom, and you're gonna want to go buy different products. Yeah, I a lot of ads. Can't stop buying Pepsi, Dunkin' Donuts. I can't stop buying Dunkin' Donuts. I can't stop buying Dunkachinos. Oh, those Dunkachinos! Dunkachino. I got Dunkachino pants on right now. <laughs> <laughs> but Dunkachinos aside, I can understand Dunkachinos, but protons as many black holes, everything connected via a wormhole network, the entire energy of the universe is within everything, everywhere, all at once. Jeez, at least offer me a cigarette after you fuck our brains like that. Ugh, this topic really pretended to watch Netflix and had sex with our virgin mind tummy holes. Which is another place no information can escape from our mind tummy holes. That's true. Our greedy little mind tummy holes ready to gobble those big fat enchiladas. Whole enchiladas. Good lord. In our mind tummy holes. Anyway, here's the thing. These discoveries got Hermane's peen to rise to an infinite singularity, if you know what I mean. Got a boner. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh, now I get it. Now you get it. Next 
Okay, he was like, he was fucking rock hard after all this shit, right? Because he's he's totally off. Protons are black holes. Everything's right. connected. Wormholes. What if? What if? He was like, what if? You make two small protons the same as black holes, and you calculate the gravitational force that attracts these two black holes. Is it exactly the same as the strong force? Which, again, here's the strong force, is that force that holds protons, protons inside the nucleus of an atom. That's the strong force. Right. Moreover... Uh, so he, he did, he did calculate that. And what he found was that if you took two of his Schwarzschild black hole protons, you beefed them up to the size of black holes, you calculated the strong force, you calculated the force that attracts them. Guess what? It's exactly the same as the strong force that exists in two regular atoms. Right. Two protons in a regular atom. Right. right. Exactly the same. Strong force. Strong force. Oh, gonna read my protons. There's my protons. Ba 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 ba. Uh, Protor! Oh, hey, strong bad. It's me, strong sad force. It's me, weak force. Me, weak force. Hey, weak force. I don't remember, but I used to be, I'm pretty sure I'm mean to you. Now go over there and clean my house. Oh, hey, everybody. It's me, Hunter. Hey, me, Captain Z. Coach Z. Goddamn, fucking love Homestar Runner. Uh, good stuff. Um, yeah. Here's the thing, though. Not only was it as the exact same as the strong force. Here's the thing. It was. Uh, it was also between the two black hole protons was enough to overcome the Coulomb force, which is the opposite of the strong force. It's the force that drives protons apart. All this, basically, what we're trying to say is it further gave Hermann credence to the idea of his Schwarzschild proton, black hole proton. Hermann believes. This is not a coincidence. No way, no how. Replacing the strong force with a gravitational force would, in theory, unify relative physics with the quantitative world, universal theory. But there is also an issue with this revelation. How could Hermine draft an equation to further prove this Webway idea, that whole entanglement thing that we talked about? Think about it like this. There's like an infinite fucking number of protons in the universe, right? There's like a billion protons inside of us, maybe probably more, a trillion. Right. You're talking about everything in the universe? Yeah. How do you write an equation to show them all affecting just one? How does that work? How does that webway work, right? And this calculation also has to account for that teeny tiny mass of just one proton. How do you do that? Well, Haramain started by taking his black hole proton and expanding it to the size of the universe. And when he did, he found that he got the exact same density as the cosmological vacuum density, or the so-called dark energy, which is said to be expanding and accelerating our universe. Thus, Haramain believes he has solved the 122 orders of magnitude discrepancy, which is one of the largest discrepancies in physics between the quantum and relative worlds. Next, Haramain took the Planck distance and converted it into a sphere, which he then tiled onto a commonly known black hole for reference to see what he would calculate. Well, the tiled planks create a boundary around the black hole. And what about, what about what's inside this boundary? What about all the planks inside this tiled sphere of planks? If you can imagine. Just, think of it. Okay. So yeah, you got to yeah. think of a sphere mm. covered in a sphere, uh, a sphere covered yeah. in, in little bubbles, right? right. It's it, they're tiled, right? Tiled spheres. So, 
we got all this uh, tile sphere. So in the holographic principle, we think of Planck's as one bit of information, just like a computer has. In this scenario, the Planck's and the info inside the sphere cannot break out of the sphere because there is a boundary around it. It is bound by the communication wormholes lines around its boundary. Haramain took the ratio of the Planck's on the inside of the sphere over the number on the outside, multiplied by the mass of one Planck, and it returned the mass of a black hole. Haramain claims he reached the same conclusions about gravity as Einstein, but did it in a way which used quantum numbers. Remember that quantum mechanics works with precise increments like those tiled planks. Each is a little exact segment, but relative equations describe gravity as smooth. Wow. Hermann reached the same conclusion as Einstein. I mean, you know, in some ways, Andy and I are also like Einstein in that we can't tie our shoes and we love sticking our tongues out in photos. Also, I was a Swiss patent clerk for seven years. Some of the best years of my life. I feel so, so sorry for all those inventors because <laughs> you would throw all their fucking inventions out. I didn't approve one patent That's <laughs> in seven years. They called you, they called you General Patton of the patent clerk's office. Yeah, they did. I mean, I was due for a transfer to Zurich uh, because they wanted to get me out of Geneva, out of that office. <laughs> I'll tell you that much. Gravity. Oh, it was such a sick burn I put on those inventors in Switzerland. <laughs> yeah, it's true. You did. Yeah, you really ruined a lot of lives, Andy. Yeah, a lot of people gave up their dreams because of me. Yep. It's one of my greatest badges of honor. Gravity is an effect on the Planck's, is, is an effect on the Planck's spinning in coordination, right? Rather than an effect on the bending of space-time as stated before in relative equations. Hermine used the same equation on a proton. He theorized that a proton covered with these spherical Planck's on the outside, these little bubbles, and the Planck's on the inside of the equation return the exact same mass of a proton. So, to relate this back to symbols, Hermine realized to tile a sphere with spheres, imagine three circles next to each other in a triangular shape, uh, two on top and one on the bottom, there's kind of a small gap in the middle, right? You know, where the spheres, their, their little boundaries touch. Hermine's calculations would have been way off if this gap was present, so... He realized that the circles actually overlap slightly to form almost like a three-flower petal design. If you can't visualize it, Google the flower of life design, and that's it, okay? It's a bunch of concentric little circles overlapping each other slightly, creating these little little points of contact. Yeah. And basically, there's no, there's no gaps. Right, no gaps. Because remember when we say they're, they're spheres, in reality, these plonks are more like balls of energy that can morph and flow into one another, like water ripples without breaking each other, right? This exact interconnected sphere symbol is seen throughout ancient civilizations, this flower of life design, and we'll get to that shortly. Hermine also found out that his equations were slightly off by about 0.0012. Uh, what he realized was that the radius of a proton, which, again, is theoretically calculated by co-data in the egghead hive minds, Hermine was like, well, the radius is wrong, bro. How else are my fucking calculations wrong? Your yeah. radius is wrong, dude. Um, so he used the mass he calculated in his equation to derive what he felt was a more accurate radius of a proton, which was 0.8. 
0.41236 by 10 to the negative 13 centimeters. When he used this new radius to redo all his other equations, they all came out exactly correct. He published this paper in 2012, and in 2013, an international team of scientists used a massive experiment to calculate a more accurate radius of proton, which came out to 0.840839 to the 10, uh, to the negative times 10 to the negative 13th centimeters. And I just want to say that that, that experiment was done independently. Right. Not Harman's because paper. of Harmain. This was something that was done on a side by other scientists. Uh, so now Haramain was within point zero point zero 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 three six of the radius of the proton using only his theoretical calculations against an experimental study. So to recap one again, another time, number one, protons are black holes. Number two, all black holes are connected through the network of space and constantly transferring info to one another via this wormhole webway. But Haramain isn't finished just yet. We have a lot of theories, but we still need to understand the shape of these black holes. Why are they spheres? And what is the shape of the vacuum energy that permeates our existence? Now, to preface this, Bunk Funkers, we could explain this to you, and we'll try our best, but it is so visually intensive, we're literally talking about fucking shapes. To understand it better, if you just summarize it, and then we tell you to Google it. I mean, honestly. But, uh, you know we love it when we attempt to explain purely visual experiences in audio format. Thing is, though, it might actually be better to simply just fucking Google it. <laughs> anyway, Haramain theorized this shape. Let's call it the vacuum shape or the god particle, right? This god shape. Um, likely involved a tetrahedron or a pyramid surrounded by a sphere. The sphere acts as the condition which divides the space. So after looking into the work of Buckminster, Bunk, Bunk, Buckminster Fuller. <laughs> Bunk. Bunk, Bunk Mr. Fuller is a very different guy. Yeah. But might have been one of someone, Mr. Bunker's grandfather or something. <laughs> Bunk Funker Mr. Bunk Mr. Fuller. Harriman concluded that the structure is likely a pyramid made up of smaller pyramids or an isotropic vector matrix. Imagine 10 pyramids on the bottom with their points touching and their tips are touching and six on the next floor, then three, then one. They form a Just pyramid. Like any of my classic teenage sleepovers. That's true. That's true. That I used to hold when I was a teenager. So they all form a pyramid. It's a pyramid made of pyramids. Google isotropic, ISO, TRO, PIC, vector matrix for the visual, okay? You'll get it. Yeah. Within this pyramid, though, think about it like this. Made of pyramids. There are little spaces. There's negative space in the middle where the little edges of the pyramids don't line up because their corners are touching. And to make this short... Because again, this is very visual. Hermine took one tetrahedron, one of these shapes, he flipped it horizontally, rotated it 90 degrees, and then he matched, like mushed the bottom with the other tetrahedron's bottom. And then they kind of pushed together until all of a sudden those negative face those negative spaces from both matched up, forming a star tetrahedron. This star tetrahedron shape represents forces going outwards to perfectly create a sphere shape. For the black hole proton. In the middle of this star tetrahedron is a cube octahedron. <laughs> a cube octahedron is neat because in geometry, it is the only geometric shape in perfect equilibrium. All the vectors within and around its edges are pushing with equal force everywhere. This is the singularity within the black hole proton. The single point of perfect equilibrium. 
equilibrium. Just like a regular black hole comes to a point of singularity, so does this star tetrahedron shape. But this star tetrahedron isn't fully complete. There's gaps of space and whatnot, so he added more tetrahedrons until he got a 64 tetrahedron grid. It kind of looks like a cube octahedron with a few extra points. Uh, Google 64 tetrahedron and, and you'll see. I mean, that's really is... You, you kind of, it's hard to explain it. Like yeah. you Do any just, of you know what a fucking cube octahedron is right off the top? You're an egghead if you do. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, I don't know any of these words when I read them at first. No. I had to Google them. I don't I fucking like, know anything. Oh, I think I've seen a tetrahedron before. Yeah. Uh, so anyway, uh, so Google 64 tetrahedron to, to see the visual. The 64 tetrahedron shape has equilibrium at its center, surrounded by another cube octahedron shape equilibrium, and the point is it could replicate by fractals to infinity. It's a fractal shape. It could be scaled from infinity to, from infin- infinitely big to infinitely small. Yeah, you, you could just, like the way the shape is structured, it's perfect for like a loopable GIF. It's a fractal. You can get make it, if you, look, if you started to zoom in on one corner of the shape, the whole of the shape would exist in that one little corner and then would just keep going. Right, right. A big fucking Everything mirror. looks the same. So another way to visualize this is there's eight star tetrahedrons forming together to make the 64 tetrahedron. Eight times eight equals 64, right? So the eight star tetrahedrons radiate outward, and when brought together, they contract and push inward. The perfect equilibrium of inward and outward force, like the yin and yang. This is the structure of a black hole. Perfect equilibrium to a single point at the center, but a boundary sphere around it radiating out, blocking us from seeing inside. Basically, this shape makes up the proton black hole. It's at the center of the proton black hole. That's the shape. Right. But this structure isn't sitting still, Andy. There's spin. Here are main theorized, right? Like a a tennis ball. Yeah. This is like a Harlem Globetrotter. Oh, baby. Basketball on their finger. And Hermain, again, wrote a paper on the theory of spin with Rauscher, believing that the gravitation warp of space-time isn't smooth and continuous. Like, Like Einstein said but also has the Coriolis effect or torque, which again, that is like water going down a drain, right? Water just doesn't go, it's fucking spins when it comes down the drain. Right. That's what water does. Right. So instead of thinking about black holes as perfect little spheres, Hermine proposed they look more like dual torus structures, which a torus is a fucking donut. It's two donuts on top of each other. (laughs) Now this is physics I can understand. (laughs) I'm hungry for some physics now. These donuts are spinning in opposite directions, causing, again, equilibrium and a kind of yin and yang type of deal. I mean, you just might have to Google dual Taurus 64 <laughs> tetrahedron bunk bunkers to get a visual of this. It's <laughs> it's like a 3D yin and yang symbol covering a 64 tetrahedron is what it looks like. Right. Um, it's, it's perfectly flowing into its, it's, it's flowing into its center then it comes back out on the bottom side, grabs more stuff, flows back into the center. It's, it's kind of neato. It's a neat little shape. Um, but all right, all right, all right, all right, these fucking shapes. Let's get to the gist. Yeah. The shape of a 64 tetrahedron with two toruses, two donuts of energy boundaries around it is the God structure. It's the fucking black hole. It can be found at the smallest level imaginable, like the center of a proton, or in massive structures like plasma movements on the surface of the sun. It's an infinitely scalable fractal shape at perfect equilibrium in all aspects. It is everything, and the shape connects 
It is everything and its shape connects it all up, okay? It exists within all of us, around us, through us, everywhere. And at the center of the structure is the donut hole, which is the vacuum of space. It is the wormhole that connects it to the larger network of the universe. Info comes in uh, into the center, radiates out, like I said, goes around the torus donut shape and then folds back into itself from the other end. Info, taking info and spreading it, radiating it back out, yin and yang, perfectly balanced, as all things should be, Thanos. <laughs> Just Go. like that. Bill snap. Uh, with all this in mind, Harmin began to understand that black holes are like little generators, taking in information from the universe wormhole webway and radiating it back out like the yin and yang in and out. Black holes aren't some sci-fi phenomenon. They are present within every galaxy. Why? Because they are fundamental to the vacuum of space. They radiate matter outward and then funnel it back inward until it eventually becomes a visible galaxy. Radiating out these shapes until they form together and oscillate together to create matter which interconnects with the space. Black holes aren't just sucking information in, but also radiating it out. Now, newer theories actually of the Big Bang and how our universe works believe that our universe was actually a single proton escaping from the Big Bang and that this proton went into a vacuum density which was much lower and started to inflate, creating our universe inside itself. I mean, hey, like we said, Harrowing believes we might actually live within a black hole proton. So, hey, Soundgarden weren't that far off with Black Hole Sun. No, turns out. They should have called it Black Hole Everything. Black Hole Everything, won't you come and fractal into everything? <laughs> won't you come and hook up to my <laughs> vacuum of space webway, wormhole webway? <laughs> no. R.I.P. Chris Cornell. Uh, so the genesis of our universe may have been a single proton escaping the mother universe experiencing a rapid change in density and so rapidly that it expanded and inflated, which is, which to know, which we know to be true. And our universe is expanding. The right. information of the mother universe was encoded and connected. That shape, that God shape was encoded within that proton, right? And it, and it used that proton connected this proton via the vacuum of space. And it used that proton, that structure to literally fractal and build everything, right? That's that's the whole thing is that it's a fractal shape so it can just keep dividing itself and growing and it doesn't matter. It still holds that shape and it encodes everything within itself. Influencing its growth and giving it the structure to replicate and form all that we know. Universes, much like all life, are birthed. Beautiful. So is all of this some new discovery or was this ancient knowledge? Ooh, here we go. Here we go. Did ancient civilizations know about this fact of our universe? And were they able to harness the power of the vacuum of space? I mean, if the vacuum of space has a network which connects all the other energy of the universe within it, it's pretty fucking powerful. What if we could tap in into that to fuel our existence, our civilizations, our space travel? Hmm? Well, many religions point toward God being within us, right? Were they referring to this vacuum God shape? We are said to be made in the image of God in Abrahamic religions. So there's some very fractal holographic. There's something very fractal and holographic about that concept for sure. Uh, made in the image of God. 
Harman claims that there's no way that the ancient Egyptians would have built the pyramids as precisely as and as well as they did using the tools they had at the time. Robert Robert Baval and Graham Hancock pointed out that the pyramids at Giza line up with the constellation Orion's Belt, as do the pyramids at Teotihuacan and Xi'an in China. Could these structures be pointing toward the belt for a reason? Perhaps they are set this way as a message about where they drew the ability to form such magnificent structures from? Nowhere do we have texts about how the ancient Egyptians built the pyramids. However, we have a plethora of hieroglyphs related to the sun god or other celestial-based gods. Could these gods uh, be representations or a message explaining that the technology the ancient Egyptians used to perform such feats? Perhaps they utilize the energy from the vacuum of space? Haramein also says that advanced beings from the universe could have brought this technology to the Egyptians. Now, for more information on the pyramids of Egypt, check out our episode on it. That's right. You'll see uh, Bouval and Hancock. They make an appearance. They make appearances. So um, these structures that were mentioned, uh, Jean China one, you know, especially they contain the flower of life symbol that's found throughout a lot of different places. People really like that flower of life symbol. Now, the symbols appear to be laser etched onto the structures. And similarly, the flower of life symbol, which we mentioned earlier, is basically that 64 tetrahedron with overlapping spheres on all of its points. They're the same symbol. In fact, the points of intersection on the flowers of uh, life generate a 64 tetrahedral grid. The yin and yang symbol, as we've mentioned before, it could also be a message about the power of the vacuum energy field or the 64 tetrahedron, the perfect balance of all things. In fact, the yin and yang symbol also looked a lot like Harriman's double torus structure viewed from above. There's also the I Ching. Now, uh, the I Ching, which we've brought up before, is an ancient Chinese divination text and is among the oldest of all Chinese uh, classical texts. I don't think anybody actually knows where it truly comes from. The uh, I Ching is made up of 64 symbols, uh, 64, with each symbol being made up of six sticks formatted in various ways. The six sticks together, guess what? Six sticks make a tetrahedron, a pyramid. Using the, the entire I Ching, you could actually make up a 64 tetrahedron and combined with the yin and yang, you got your torus field right there, baby. Wow. Coincidence? Hermine thinks not. Yeah. Fudog. The Fudogs are a traditional Chinese architectural ornament. You find them in a lot of different palaces and places. Yep. Okay. They kind of look like little lion dogs. Yeah. yeah. Lion dog. Um, and they're, you know... My favorite place to get a hot dog, lion dog. Oh, lion dog. Um, you know, they're seen out front of the Forbidden City, among a lot of other places. These dogs are typically seen with their paws holding a sphere with the flower of life design pattern on it. Are, do these dogs represent something? I mean, who let these dogs out? <laughs> who let the dogs out? Who let the dogs out? But are these dogs... Holding with them, do they represent? Hey, we're holding the power of knowledge. This is the, the this is the true power of our universe. This vacuum of space, flower of life, designed sixty four fucking tetrahedral fractal black hole pultra, proton. Possibly. Uh, oh, <clears throat> let's talk about Yahweh. Okay, uh, Yahweh or the highway. <laughs> 
Oh, I love that Lenny Kravitz song. Are you going Yahweh? <laughs> so anyway, there are also many de- depictions of Yahweh as a tetrahedron. Most famously is probably the uh, tetragrammaton, which is a triangle with Yahweh written on it and beams of light radiating off it. The Ark of the Covenant was said to be an incredibly powerful and sacred item to the ancient Israelites, containing the Ten Commandments, Moses' staff, and some mana from heaven. Could this Ark have contained the power to harness the 64-star tetrahedron as well? There are many depictions of the Ark with a massive beam of energy flying up to the heavens as well. Could they have been depictions of harnessing the power of a vacuum? In Kabbalah, there is a depiction known as the Tree of Life. It's a diagram with 10 nodes and 22 lines connecting them all, and it's said to represent encompassing aspects of existence, God, or the human psyche. The diagram is believed to be derivable from the flower of life. Yeah, I mean, I think uh, Haramain has a visual where it's like, if you fucking restruct, if you like take the nodes and then you like spin them in a circle and radiate them around in a circle, it'll make like the 64 tetrahedral shape. Yeah. There's all these wacky things you could do with fucking shapes, man. Yeah, it's like, it's, you know, it's just, it's one of those things where it's like, there's a connection there because if you take it apart and then position it in a way to make the shape that you want, that it will look like that shape then. Andy, you're jumping ahead. Coincidence? We still have to talk about spirituality, Andy, before we get to the skeptic thing. Obviously, the holofractal universe theory not only gives you a lot to think about from a physics perspective, but also a spiritual perspective. Yeah. What is our consciousness? What are we if we're all connected at all times to everything else in the universe? I know. Look deep into your holes here, bunk funkers. Yeah. Some might say the idea of God is the actual pure consciousness from which we were all spawned. Maybe God is the greater black hole proton that first escaped the mother universe and inflated to infinity and we all live inside of it. Interconnected to God through the wormhole network that connects our very subatomic particles to its very cosmic structures. Perhaps this explains the teachings of so many religious texts and traditions of being one, of being made in the image of God. We are looking within ourselves for the answer, right? Mm -hmm. We are all fractals of a larger structure. The God particle, the, the first proton to escape the mother universe, gave within us this structure, this fractal structure that perfectly can scale between infinity and zero, right? Yeah. So perhaps that's God, right? And yeah. we're all connected between a webway. Perhaps this all explains the ideas of tapping into the Akashic record. If all information and all life is interconnected through a webway network of space, and we are all connected to everything else there ever has or ever will be, or cease to exist, right? And what potential does that hold for our civilization if we were to tap into it? What advancements could we make if we had a never-ending infinite source of energy in the very space around us? Well, some holofractals believe this was part of the CIA's mission on remote viewing and Project Gateway. Is the CIA trying to tap into the interconnected universe? Well, Bungfunkers, we've had a lot of fun talking about the holofractal universe theory, but it's time to get to the hollow fracking this idea with our massive skeptic drill. Woo, baby! Ain't nothing like fresh skeptics drilling and sucking the life out of these fun ideas, baby. Yeehaw! Ride that jackhammer. Yeah. 
Oh, was I supposed to do the jackhammer noises? Yeah, right I'm not going to go buy a jackhammer noise. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Bugfunkers, <laughs> what's the deal with Nassim Haramein? Why haven't you been taught his ideas in school? Why aren't more people talking about this? Well, Haramein is seen by the scientific community at large as mostly bunk pseudoscience. For one, none of his papers have ever been posted or published in leading peer-reviewed scientific journals, only ones that you can pay to be published in. A bulk of the Haramein criticism comes from online blogs and the uh, subreddit r slash physics, uh, which is on Reddit. But why is the scientific community at large not talking about Haramein? These comments come from a user named Bob from his Azure World blogspot. Quote, uh, while it's true that individual scientists are human and can be reluctant to accept when their way of seeing things is revealed to be false, they will eventually come to see the truth. In addition, many scientists are deeply competitive, and for every theory beloved to one set of scientists, there will be another set that is devoted to looking for any serious evidence they can use to pull the rug out from under it. This is a fact compatible with even the most cynical view of scientists, that there are more often out to prove each other wrong, even to backstab, than to back each other up. It makes it implausible that any scientist actually sees Nassim's ideas as any sort of threat. His ideas have simply never been taken seriously. End quote. Well, maybe these eggheads are just too rigid to explore Haramain's ideas? Bob says, quote, There are hundreds of thousands of scientists in the universities of the world, and their ways of thinking are as various as any other group of hundreds of thousands of human beings, if not more so. There will always be plenty of scientists hungry for any radical idea, especially in topics as hot as grand unified theories, provided it's got some substance. Yes, pride and overcautiousness can get in the way of scientists taking suggestions seriously from people not affiliated to a university. But would every single one of them fall prey to this? When Garrett Lisi submitted a potentially revolutionary theory for the unification of particle physics, he was an unemployed surfer living in a camper van on a Hawaiian island with no university affiliation. Aside from now renting a room in a shared house, it seems he still is. Perhaps the majority of physicists initially did not take him seriously, but there were certainly plenty who did, who were waiting for someone like this to challenge everything, who looked at his work and thought, you know, this guy really does know what he's talking about. He could be onto something here, and I want in on this. End the, quote. The Garrett Lisi uh, suggestion was from a, a long time. I think he has gotten like major grants and different affiliations. He's not. Yeah, I just want to clarify. He's not just some guy. He had a fucking PhD. He was a PhD. He worked he, in academia. He worked in academia. Got sick of it. Got burned out, and then traveled around and did other stuff. He wasn't just some dude. <laughs> yeah, this was like 2007. So this predates yeah. Harmane, yeah. Um, the the holofractal theory by... But he wasn't affiliated years. with anybody when he released his paper and no. he got major grants and things were taking him very seriously. Yeah. And, and he's also point. he's also received a lot of criticism. Yeah. Fairly, because admittedly, his theory is incomplete. Right. Anyway, but we digress. The point is that, you know, he's saying like, look, you can be a nobody and be taken seriously and have people look at you. Right. It's just there's got to be something of substance there. Right. It's not that it, it's not that you're not in academia in the right spot. You know, there's right. Bob's point is that if this was a good idea, people would be talking about it. Right. Well, what about the actual physics and math within Hermain's papers? Are those all bunk as well? Well, according to the skeptics. Yeah, they are. 
Hermain uses big physics words and throws around equations and sounds like he knows what he's talking about. But in reality, skeptics say he doesn't. And he just uses circular arguments to get his point across. Again, according to Hermain's skeptics, they believe that this black hole proton is especially off base. Whoa. Uh, All right, skeptics, take uh, it easy. Yeah, I mean, Hermain Hermain presents a hypothesis that uh, a proton could be considered a black hole and then showcases some equations and then concludes that the forces between the two black holes would be very strong. Which to skeptics is like, oh, no, dude. You know, skeptics always are saying stuff like that. They're always saying stuff like that. If you pretend two things are literally the heaviest two things that anything could ever be, a black hole, it shouldn't come as a surprise that the forces between them are strong. There's a lot going on there. The densest things that we know that exist in the universe. Right. They suck everything in. Literally crush matter to a singularity. Right. Not even light can escape. Yeah. Yeah. They're strong. Furthermore, they state that the radius of the proton that he so closely estimated a year before it was discovered, right? Well, there was an experiment that happened in 2010, two years before his paper. And he actually used numerology, not physics, to solve the radius to match the 2010 value. And then it so happened to be updated in 2013 with another experiment, which wasn't far off from the 2010 one to begin with. <clears throat> so, skeptics also state that Haramain's theory doesn't account for radiation, known as Hawking radiation, of black holes. Uh, quote, the laws of thermodynamics imply that proton-sized black hole would have a temperature of 139 billion degrees Celsius, uh, which is about the temperature in the bunker right now. Hey, <laughs> we're sweating. Sweating to the oldies. Thousands, uh, this would be thousands of times hotter than the core of a star and not far off the core temperature at the height of a supernova. How does Haramain deal with this discrepancy from reality? He doesn't, end quote. They also bring up the idea of stability of interaction between two black hole protons. General relativity explains that two black holes orbiting each other would lose orbital energy and emit gravitational waves until they crashed into one another, merging into one black hole the moment their event horizons touched. Black holes can move fast, too. The closer they get, the faster they merge together. Haramain's theory already has the black hole protons touching. Why don't they merge? Come on, black hole protons. They're like two pandas. Yeah. They don't want to fuck. Yeah, we've shown you all this panda porn. You, you've been you've been listening to Mr. Coomer's uh, Pornography Time podcast, and you know we love watching astronomical fucking. So come on, proton black holes. Join in on the fun. Get it on. Skeptics also point out the following. Uh, typically, with math, we don't understand to back up their claims, so we're not even yeah. going to make an attempt to it. Uh, you, know. you can find Bob's blog linked in our show notes. If you're a math freak, all, pretty much all freak. he's basically the leading guy who's debunked, right? Nassim Haramain. Uh, so you, you got to read his blog to, to find out about it. But anyway, here's some other points that they bring up that Haramain seemingly picks numbers at random that just fit his cause, you know, like when calculating volumes and putting things on his scale and doing other stuff and the whole like I solved the 122 orders of magnitude problem. They're just saying, you just pick fucking random numbers, dude. Like, you're just picking numbers that fit your bullshit. Yeah. It's theoretical physics, though, so there's a lot of that. But, hey, 
Hermine also ignores a lot of other parts of the theory of general relativity, such as, quote, what happens when you look inside of a black hole proton, end quote. Like, he never answers that. There's no question of, like, we don't know what happens inside of black holes because uh, we can't see inside of them. Right. We think that there's, like, they're they're going to a point of singularity, but, like, I don't know what's going on inside of one. Yeah. How does he know what's going on inside of a black hole proton? Mm-hmm. He just says that there's this, all this shit going on, but it's like, I don't know. On top of that, uh, Bob points out a lot that he ignores quarks, uh, which are a well-known and documented part of modern quantum physics. Uh, very little quark talk on uh, in, in, in Hermann's. Hmm, what Hermes. a shame. Yeah, you love a good quark. I'm a little quarky myself. That's right. Um, and then I'll be quarky Romano. <laughs> <laughs> I'll call you that and a lot of other things, brother. You tell me, you tell you what. Yeah. Quirky Parmesan. Quirky Parmesan. Um, another big area that uh, Hermine uh, misses out on is the force between two protons, right? So using Hermine's theory of uh, theory, his actual theory, skeptics like Bob have calculated that in his theory, the force between two protons is nearly 7.49 times 10 to the 49 dynes. I don't know what a dyne is, but here's a reference to help you understand what a dyne is. If I stood one meter from a 50 megaton thermonuclear bomb and I let it off, it would blast my ass with a force of 10 to the 22 dynes. So uh, obviously they're measuring some kind of energy. So 10 to the 22, a 50 ton megaton thermonuclear bomb gets 10 to the 22. Hermine's uh, black hole protons have 10 to the 47. So how is the force holding two protons together so fucking strong when lab experiments have shown that you could separate protons from a nucleus by tapping them with a tiny electron in a small accelerator. Oh, but uh, there's also Harmain's other business ventures, such as selling very expensive tetrahedron crystals with numerous claims and benefits. I mean, what else can you expect from a guy who kind of sounds like Tommy Wiseau? I did not fractal. It's not true. It's bullshit. I did not fractal. I did not. Oh, hi, Quark. At the end of the day, <laughs> you're tearing me apart, Black Hole Proton. By shooting a tiny electron. That's me. At the end of the day, Haramine's math and physics and entire theory might be bunk, but it resonates eh, with a lot of people. His films, such as The Connected Universe, are wildly popular, and it was even narrated by Sir Patrick Stewart. Sir Patrick Stewart. <laughs> I mean, can you believe it? <laughs> Patrick Stewart? The guy who voiced the poop emoji in the emoji movie narrating Haramine's film? What a get. I mean. He got the poop emoji. Got the guy who voiced the poop emoji. The poop emoji. I mean, what he's most famous for. That's what I know Patrick Stewart from. Poop emoji and Uber Eats commercials. <laughs> That's what I know Patrick Stewart from. <laughs> uh, but is this theory just an excuse for people to post pictures of shapes and like coincidences in nature and talk about oneness? And is that so bad if that's what it is? Is that so bad? At the end of the day, Haramain expresses his belief that the mainstream scientific community wants to move away from religion and dogma. They constantly want to separate themselves from that world. But he believes through science and physics and math, 
we can discover that the universe is actually much more in tune with itself than the random chaos that is pushed by mainstream science. And in a world where people who have the same bank account numbers as the energy density of a cube of space are attempting to colonize other planets and wars are fought over energy, if we could harness just one centimeter cube of space, we'd have enough energy to last for the foreseeable length of time. So perhaps this is a man who wants to push us forward in physics rather than back. Here's one positive takeaway. It is fun to talk about science. And, you know, if, if Hermine's theories don't actually hold up to snuff, at the very least, it can convince some would-be scientists out there to go and learn some fucking science <laughs> and then learn more about our world and maybe they'll make the fucking discovery. Yeah. It's like that thing where it's like, hey, you know, anybody could become the next president. Anybody could become the next scientist to discover what dark matter actually unified is. field theory, right? Or find that unified field theory because maybe they listened to something that Harrimain said, and yeah, that's what I'm saying. So, but but who gives a fuck what we're saying, Andy? Nobody. What do you? As far as I know, what do you say, bunk funkers? What do you make of the holofractal universe? Did you even understand any of it? I mean, God, I fucking hope so. Because <laughs> if we, not, we really can't help. Oh, we really can't. We tried so hard, bunk funkers. <laughs> <laughs> are we all interconnected as one is our universe a holographic fractal infinitely scalable from the smallest thing to the biggest thing does vacuum energy permeate all around us interconnecting us to everything that ever was or ever will be let us know what you think and hey bunk funkers next time you're out on a nature walk stop take a moment to really take it all in you might notice some peculiar reoccurring shapes out there such as the whole enchiladron all right you lesser fractals you can have your show back <laughs> we're outie later losers catch you on the other side of the galaxy sheesh those guys did just as shitty a job as us. Assholes. Mr. Bunker's Conspiracy Time Podcast will be right back after this brief message. You know, a lot can happen in seven minutes, and luckily, that's how long it takes me to tell a story. My name is Aaron Calafato, and I'm the creator of 7-Minute Stories. I'm proud to partner with Evergreen Podcasts, and I'd like to invite you to join me on this journey. I'm going to take you on some crazy roller coaster rides using my unique extemporaneous storytelling style. And together, we're going to try to make sense of the world, all through the art of storytelling and all in approximately seven minutes. Hey, welcome back, Bunk Funkers. That was our research of the hollow fractal universe. Andy, good Lord, our brains are fucking fried. I see shapes. I see I see 64 star tetrahedrons floating all around my head. Yeah, they're everywhere. I feel like I have a fucking concussion. They're everywhere. <laughs> they apparently are. They are. It's everything. It's everything. You should it's see that. Space. That's what you're supposed it's, to see. It's in you have every... very good eyesight. 
It's in every cell. It's in every structure. It every, makes up everything. It's the building block of our entire existence. It's been infinitely scaled up and down, left and right. Um, everything is connected, Bunk Funkers. Everything's one. Yeah. Are you feeling holistic, Andy? Are you feeling at peace with the universe? I'm feeling black holistic after that topic. Black hole-tastic. Yeah. I'm covered in black holes. It's real, real, uh, it's like black licorice. <laughs> Only a few people understand why you would ever like it. You know, you should just call it licorice. Really? Yeah. It's the original. It's gross. Red licorice is a cheap imitation. Oh, get the fuck out of here. You think I like licorice? No way. Okay. Red vines though? Twizzlers? Sure. You love a Twizzler. I'll take a Twizzler. Give Cherry, me- strawberry. Oh my God. Oh, hook me Give up. me a fucking pull apart Twizzler every day of the week. Oh yeah. The m- multi strands. Now that's the kind of oh, the geometry baby. I can get behind. Let's talk about Twizzlers. Fuck the holofractal universe. Let's talk about Twizzlers. <laughs> Finally, something Andy and I can agree on. They got some of those uh, little, like they chop them up into little parts. Oh baby. So those little nibs. Great for the car. Those little nibs. Yeah. Twizzler nibs. Oh, those nips? Yeah. What do you like better, Twizzler or Red Vine? What's the difference? They're a little bit different. So to me, a Twizzler is a little more dense. It's a little thicker. Chewier. And a Red Vine has a more hollow kind of thing going on. I don't think I've ever had a Red Vine, so I'm going to go with the Twizzler. Okay. But the thing is, we know what's cool about Twizzlers is you can bite off both ends and use it as a straw. Mm-hmm. And even easier to do that with a Red Vine. Yeah. There's I no like the pull-aparts. It, don't give me a regular Twizzler. I mean, I'll eat it, but I'm going to go for that pull-apart Twizzler experience because that is so fun. I love playing with my food. Uh, big, big Fruit by the Foot fan here. I got a big Fruit by the Foot fetish. <laughs> He's a Rex Ryan of the fruit leather. <laughs> I like the kind that had um, Fruit by the Foot that had the, the cutouts, the like a piece of paper. I like the kind that was like, you roll it out like a fucking... A yeah, pig's tail, and it and it uh, it had like the paper. Even the paper had like shapes and designs and shit. Oh, baby! I mean, you want to talk about sacred geometry? <laughs> Let's talk about fruit by the foot. Sacred so geometry. You were fruit by the foot over fruit roll-ups. Yeah, I think so. I think fruit by the foot. I mean, how fucking fun was it when uh, whoever's turn it was to bring snacks or whatever, or if it was someone's birthday in class when you were a kid, and they brought fruit by the fruit by the foot. Oh my god! Come on. Fruit yeah. roll-ups are dope as hell. Yeah. But fruit by the foot is so fucking fun. Yeah. Although, you know, fruit roll-ups easier to eat. Yes, I will because, say that. Because you can yes. you can do what I used to do, which is unwrap the fruit by the foot and fuck the shapes and just wad it into a ball and stick the whole thing in your mouth at once. <laughs> I fucking knew it. I knew that's how you do it. I knew it. <laughs> Uh, I would fucking painstakingly cut out the shapes and like eat them and then like then mash all the leftover together and eat it. Yeah, I used to do that. But as I got older, wiser. (laughs) Yeah, much more efficient to wad the whole thing up into a giant ball. And then and then the best part about it is like it's so dense. It's like a black hole in your mouth that all the saliva. Yeah, you got nowhere for that stuff to go. The saliva can't go anywhere. So it all just fucking dribbles down your chin. Explain that to me, Nassim Haramain. Where's your science now? Oh, my God. Uh, fruit snacks are the best. Oh, Thank fuck. you, Gushers. Oh, we didn't even talk about Gushers. Gushers might be an octatetrahedron. 
Yeah, a, cube, a cube, a cube octahedron. I think yeah. gushers are. Yeah, gushers are. Unbelievable. Truly, I have fractals everywhere. Everywhere. Within our candy, within our world. Yeah. Everything is a fractal. Um, so at the top here, I'm just going to say, um, look, I have no standing or no understanding to be able to refute or support any of Haramain's claims. Yeah. I don't know. Right. I don't understand the, right. the underlying physics. I don't I don't understand the underlying geometry. Nope. I don't know anything about anything. So I can't say whether I can't be a good judge of this. We can't judge him on his math. We have to take both the skeptics and the what Hermain's taking at face value. I can't explain. I mean, you can look up his papers. You can read his papers. I cannot explain those equations to you. Right. Uh, I can't explain the numbers that he got or what, but I, we can talk about the concept. This concept of oneness. It's very difficult. And I will say this. Here's the thing. I will say this, that I don't want to sound rude, but I do not think that anybody on the hollow fractal subreddit does a good job of explaining this topic. Would you agree or disagree with that? Have you read our Holofractal's ELI 5? Explain like I'm 5. Did you read that? Oh, no, I didn't. I was spending more time in our physics. Okay. Well, here, I'll just read it right now. Well, okay, it's very long. Okay, well, I'm going to read it live on the air. All right. Sure. No, I'm kidding. He's going to read it live on the air, and then... Uh, I just don't Dude. think... I think it's it is not... It's not the, here's the thing. The first comment on the ELI 5 is... <laughs> could you explain this like I'm three then? Because like they don't do a good job of explaining it. They just ah, start okay. spitting all these fucking physics terms at you and they go like, right? Because remember quantum foam? And I'm like, what the fuck is quantum foam? Where did you get this from? So they start with the analogy of Indra's net. Indra's net is also way too complicated. I don't get it. Well, it I doesn't get, make any I, sense. I understand that one. They're saying there's a yeah, net. Right. But, and it's it stretches for infinity, and at the point where all of the where the threads connect, the eyes of the net, there's jewels, and each jewel, there's an infinite number of jewels because there's an infinite number of eyes because right. it's an infinite net net, and so the jewels all are reflecting each other. So there's each jewel is an infinite reflection of every other jewel in infinity that's out there. Right. So Haramain would be saying like. Each jewel is the proton. Yeah. And so it's, they're all connected and all of infinity is within each proton. Right. Like all of infinity is within each jewel on Indra's net. So I see some kind of, oh yeah. Remember the concept of quantum foam? Right. It's just, it's. They're no. so dense, and every post is kind of like that, and it's like, God damn, this is the least digestible thing. Wow. Then there's a whole thing on math. Haramain does a decent job of explaining his ideas, but they're broken up into two different um, movies, and you have to watch two two-hour documentaries to understand it, and even then, you need supplementing material to understand, because he makes a lot of, like, jumps in logic and theory, and, like, he'll just go, like, see... Right there, I I took apart the uh, the I solved the hundred and twenty two orders of magnitude. 
See, I did it right there. And you're like, what? Yeah. What? <laughs> How? Where'd you get that number? It's the same as the mace of the universe. And I'm like, okay, sure. And then you're like listening. And then all of a sudden he's just jumping into like, how could the ancient Egyptians build uh, the pyramids when our modern cranes can't even do it? I know he doesn't sound like that, but it's, it's, it's really funny fun. nonetheless. It's fun. And it's like, okay, all right, I guess we're jumping into ancient knowledge now. <laughs> yeah. Once again, the claim that nobody in the modern world could build the pyramids. Right. That we're not capable of building the pyramids, which is just not factual. I love all those claims. Well, they built this in ancient times, but there's we couldn't possibly build it now. It's like, no, nobody nobody wants to do it. Yeah, we can build shit out of better shit. Because we don't have unlimited human labor. I mean, not unlimited, but... Yeah. You know. If we could do it, we would just have to get, like, what? How many people did they use? I Let's mean, just go back to feudalism for a little while right. and see what we can do. Right. No, that... Yeah, exactly. It's like... Obviously, that's where he loses me. It's, it's again right. with the ancient knowledge stuff. Always loses me. I'm just like, oh Christ, here we go again with the. There's no way ancient people could do this stuff, even though they had an basically infinite amount of time to build it, and nobody was bugging them. Yeah. Can I say something though about about Harmin's like idea? Sure. It's cool. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> cool it idea. is. It's fucking it's cool rad. Idea. And like, it makes sense at some level, right? That we do see patterns constantly. You right. go on the holofractal subreddit, it's mostly just people posting pictures of shapes. Yeah. It's all sacred geometry shit where it's like, yeah. you're all fucking connected, dude. Look at this. You're the cell. A, a human cell looks like an atom, looks like a star. They're all the same shape. The brain cell looks like the galaxy, dude. It's just, it's funny to it's me like, that, yeah. it's funny to me it's because it's like, I agree with all this stuff. I do too. But it's funny to me that some people get there and say it's all connected and that everything must be linked up when it's just like, no, it's all connected in the sense that the same rules that govern the existence right. of everything govern the existence of everything. So it's like, I don't know. It's just like nature to me, and look, I'm no smart person. I don't know anything. We've established that. I'm an idiot. I'm a moron. I'm a simp. I'm... A fucking oh. tool. Okay, okay. Uh, I'm a loser. You're I'm a loser, a baby. So why don't you kill me? I... Soy un perador. Yeah. Is that it? Uh, yeah. So, but, but my point is like, to me, you see patterns everywhere in nature, probably because it's efficient, not because it's like, there's a, there's a grander design of anything, you know, that it's like things... You know, like planets end up being spheroid just because of the way that things work in space. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like it's it's that orbital motion that things that have to take place for something to combine to create a mass, like it ends up being spheroid just because that's the way that the forces work on it. It's not necessarily that, you know, there's black holes pushing that. It's just that's kind of how things come together right? in our universe. I, you know, it's not, there's nothing wrong with like seeing those patterns. I think that it's a good thing to see the patterns. And I think that it's cool when people find these connections or these, these similarities, but it doesn't necessarily mean that it's like, that there's more to it than that. 
Yeah. Or that the right answer is that all of in all of the information in infinity is like stored within every small part of us. Right. Or whatever. We have yeah, the we have the ability to unlock everything. Like you said, it's kind of time. a leap to say that like Big even leap. if even if you said like, oh, everything is a black hole and we're all connected by wormholes, every little piece of everything is is connected by a network of wormholes. It still doesn't get you to the like back to like oh then everything has to look the same like that it's every you know that we're gonna have that yeah. it's all theoretical yeah so much of this is theoretical yeah. I mean everything even the stuff that the fucking all the general relative like there's so much theory I gotta ask this was hard to find did you find anything what's like who is Nassim Haramain that's the thing his Wikipedia approvals keep getting denied <laughs> keep getting denied because people think he's a grifter. Yeah. He's just a grifter. It's like, I, you Which, know, you know, Elizabeth Rauscher was a legitimate physicist, yeah. a legitimate scientist. Yeah. I mean, not everybody is like as kind to her work because she was like also psychics and stuff. Yeah. But like legitimate, like had a PhD and yeah. everything. Here's the thing about, I don't, yeah, I know nothing about Nassim's credentials, where he came from. I probably, you know, we, he it probably, just seems like he exists in this and then there's nothing else. You know Maybe what I mean? He's a tetrahedron. <laughs> oh my God, the tetrahedrons came to life. <laughs> no, I mean, it's... This is just another plot by Big Tetrahedron. Oh, Big Tetrahedron. You're fucking triangles. We think in squares. Um, With your little points. You know it's hip to be square. You know what hip to be square. Happy to be stuck with you. See, Bunkfungers, I baited Art into doing that because I knew he would if I brought up Huey Little Lewis. Little Huey knew Lewis. Huey Lewis. Huey Pewis. Um, Huey Lewis and the Lows. Huey Lewis and the Lows. It's coming home, boys. <laughs> yeah, fuck you, English listeners and your fucking football team. God. Um. Uh. No, that I mean football. They the English football club. I think they got a tetrahedron stuck in their throats. Because they choked. Oh boy. Mamma mia! I you got to be happy about Italy, huh? Oh, I'm ecstatic. I didn't watch the game. <laughs> sorry, I don't care about. I don't care about soccer or football at all. Jeez. Sorry. Um. <laughs> uh, what the fuck? I, I did. I think that like you know. I, I guess what we're talking about here is like, I don't know how much we think that his theory is true, but it's like, I, there's kernels of truth in it, right? Like science is legitimately discovering that, yeah, there probably is energy in vacuums. And people have theorized this for a long time, since like the early 1900s. We've talked about it on the show before. We have. Scientists are like, hey, there might be fucking energy in a vacuum. Yeah. There's something's causing the the world to expand. And you know, that's that's the thing is like, something's causing the expansion and like something's causing everything to not like fly apart despite that rapid expansion. Like the fact that that our galaxy doesn't like keep expanding at that same rate that, you know, like not everything here on our world is like expanding at the same rate as the rest of the universe. Like there's got to be something that's that's holding things together while yeah. also pushing the boundaries apart. Right. And, um, you know, this is very much like a. Uh, this gives right into simulation theory. You sure. know that our we very well might live inside of a black hole. Yeah, we don't know. Literally saying that everything is a computer network. 
basically very simulation very simulation theory um i think that i think if you ask a lot of holofractal people they'll say close but they don't agree with this idea that there's some like higher level being that programmed all of it it's just that there is a mother universe from which are like a the big bang happened and like these protons flew out into this lower density space and then they expand and we live inside of a black hole proton right they don't necessarily believe that this is the product of some intelligent design right. but rather that this is the rules of nature right and the rules of physics at space time is right. we should understand them and there very exist. well might be other black hole protons out there that also went out and also expanded right and also have the same self-replicating fractal structure encoded within them and also have galaxies and in quasars and stars and humans and fucking cells and bullshit everywhere that's one of the bigger implications of this to me is that this the underlying principles of the hollow fractal universe theory basically imply that there are multiple universes that this is not very the much only so universe very much so our universe only exists as a shard of a larger universe we are but one one speckle of shite one that flung off. I said a shard, hole, not a shart. The butthole of the mother universe that clings to the edge of the toilet bowl and will never wipe off unless you no. get in there with your brush. The only way to get it off is to urinate directly onto it. <laughs> I mean, listener, bunk funkers with penises will know what I mean. <laughs> Anyone who stands up to pee is going to know what I mean. That's true. Um, I haven't, I haven't cleaned my toilet in years because I can pee on it. I can pee on anything. <laughs> Good Lord. I can attest to that. Um, no, there, there is, there's very big implications here for multiverse, multiverse for Akashic record for like, yeah, yeah. Akashic record for sure. Is Haramain a grifter? Maybe he could be. If you're lying about the stuff you've done in physics and saying, Look at me. I've done what Einstein did, but I did it backwards. And, ooh, I solved the 122 orders of magnitude. Ooh, I have Sir Patrick Stewart. I've got the most highly funded Kickstarter for a documentary ever. I think that's one of his claims mm-hmm. for Connected Universe. Right. He got fucking Sir pa- This motherfucker grifted so hard then. And he got Sir Patrick fucking Stewart, which apparently Sir Patrick Stewart is doing anything nowadays. Because he's doing the fucking shitty Star Trek reboot. Uh... And the poop emoji and Uber Eats commercials. So, well, that's the kind of the thing is he obviously doesn't. You give know, a if, shit. if 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 you <laughs> like if you put an actor's name up there, like okay, but pe- you pay an actor, like no, unless you tell yeah. me that Sir Patrick Stewart did this on out of the goodness of his heart because he so believes in Holofractal, his involvement in it means nothing to me because yeah. he is an actor, right? And he doesn't fucking know what he's. They're just giving him the script. He's yeah. like, are you paying me how he much? Probably, he probably didn't even go outside of his house to do this. No. He probably has a studio at home. Probably. He got the script. He probably treated it like, agency paid for like an just... audio book yeah. or, or narrating anything. Sure. Patrick Stewart probably narrates all kinds of stuff. Probably. Probably. Probably, probably from... narrates fucking furry porn, dude. Yeah. <laughs> probably. Which I would for sure listen to. Oh, I would the listen audio to that. furry porn. Oh, baby. Furry porn with Sir Patrick Stewart. I'm Sir Patrick Stewart. Then he yipped and yawed, moving his paw-like tail out of the way to reveal a soft, tender pink butthole presented. 
I'm Sir Patrick Stewart. Make me come, number one. <laughs> you know, obviously, Harry selling crystals. He believes in the crystal technology. He believes that his crystal technology, um, scientifically, again, you know, you see this a lot. It, there's science behind it, right? These crystals, these $1,000 tetrahedral crystals that you can buy, some of them are 2000 They're huge. You can buy them, and they, they actually scientifically draw energy from the, from the vacuum, this, 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 this vacuum energy, this dark energy, supposedly, and it balances out everything, this stuff that you hear all the time. Mm-hmm. The crystal stuff, very griftery to me, mm-hmm. personally. Sorry. Sure. Very new agey. Very new agey, very griftery. Obviously, I think it's fine if you want to spend your money on crystals. Sure. Don't replace it with anything else. Yeah. That being said, Aramane also very much is like, hey, let's explore this. This is untapped free energy that we don't have to war over. We don't have to use fossil fuels. We don't even have to use renewable energy sources that, you know, while they are cool, aren't perfect and also require... A lot of work to get set up, right? Like wind farms are dope, but people also fucking hate wind farms because they think they're ugly. Right. So why not look into tapping into this vacuum of space where we can get, there's, I mean, the Casimir effect's a real thing. Obviously there's energy in the vacuum of space in mm-hmm. some level. Yeah. Can you imagine? It, 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 he, he is like a futurist. He's like, dude, he's like, dude, how fucking dope would it be, dude? You put... You get this vacuum energy, dark energy, dude? And then you're fucking like zooming through the space galaxies? Through these wormholes, bro? It's free yeah. energy. It's free real estate. It's free real estate. You know, you, you take this mm-hmm. dark energy, which doesn't take in any fuel. Yeah. Doesn't release any toxins. It just It's just pure propulsion using the Casimir effect to propel itself. Yeah. That's fucking dope. Yeah. That's interstellar travel. Yeah. That's cool sci-fi shit. Because then it's a, just an unlimited supply of energy that's unlimited literally funds. all around us. It's, yeah, unlimited funds. As soon as... Unlimited energy funds. Unlimited energy funds. You get two mirrors and a wall and you can get into outer space and go anywhere you want. <laughs> unlimited funds. Now, I should say this, that that, that Casimir experiment, experiment, I think it's like those mirrors were like microns apart. Right. Like that's how much they're measuring. It's kind of crazy. Right. It's It's... It's a proof of concept. Yeah. But it, yeah, obviously the practicality thing of it would be much different. And that's all noble stuff. Sure. Absolutely. 100% agree. Yeah. Um, I will say one thing, though. In one of the Haramane movies. Yeah. Which, what's the movie called? The one that's really produced? The Connected Universe. The Connected Came Universe. Came out in 2016. So. I think. That movie starts with a, a, a just a blatant comparison saying here's what Nassim Haramein has revolutionized and then it's just like well keep in mind Einstein was a patent clerk and it's the way that it sets it up it's obvious that you're supposed to say you're supposed to think this guy's the next Einstein you're supposed to think that yeah Haramein doesn't have any scientific credentials but neither did Einstein which is bullshit. And that's such a misrepresentation. Einstein worked as a patent clerk while he was getting his PhD. 
Einstein. And while he was also macking on tons of different honeys, oh, the he, motherfucker fucked around. He fucked, and he fucked hard. He had lots of love letters to lots of ladies while also being married to a woman. Married to a woman. And then he started fucking his cousin that he eventually married. Yeah. So Einstein was a patent Things clerk. were different back then, but maybe they don't have to be today, is what we're saying. You can fuck your cousins. <laughs> it's fine. What a stupid rule. He's trying to compare himself to Einstein, even though it's he's, like... He's setting the comparison right. up to Einstein, but also trying to diminish Einstein's achievements yeah. in academia to make himself seem more acceptable to academics, in my opinion. That's how I read that. Yeah. But Einstein was getting a PhD. Einstein was working as a patent clerk because he couldn't find a teaching job, not because he didn't have any credentials. Uh, he had a... He got his PhD. He was almost immediately accepted into a university level teaching position. Right. Because he already, his doctoral thesis was, I don't want to say groundbreaking. I'm not smart enough to know if it was groundbreaking, but important. Right. Max freaking Planck asked him to come be uh, the whatever at the German society. So yeah. like. It's not like Einstein was outside the academic yeah. community. He was no, the academic community. No, he's bros with all of them. He was the academic community. Yeah. He was the He was a black hole. He was the premier academician of his time. Everyone was gravitating towards this guy, especially the Bingo. ladies. Oh, the ladies loved him. They could not get enough of those Einstein mustache rides. I mean, very true, Andy. And I think that's where Haramain kind of loses it with me a little bit, where he like, yeah. it's like, dude. I get it. I mean, you go watch his movie from 2011, Black Hole. Low production value. It's just Haramain sitting there talking. Yeah. Uh, and then you go watch like Connected Universe and it's like, oh, fuck. Hell yeah. Yeah. What if we were all one? You get Sir Patrick Stewart. very much like The Secret if you ever saw The Secret. Oh, movie. very much so. Perfect comparison, Andy. Feels a lot like The Secret. Very good comparison from Andy. Uh, big shocker. Andy with a good comparison. <laughs> Surprise! Big I, reveal by Andy. I added something of value. Um, no, I agree, and I but 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 I do think that like the theory is fascinating, and I I almost want to say like I hope I hope I'm wrong, and I hope yeah. he's right. I hope yeah. he's right because his theory is so like once you kind of get it, you're like oh fuck, that's kind of simple, right? Like a a a big bang happened, and a black hole proton escaped. And it it has this perfect structure, this structure within it that perfectly can replicate up and down infinitely through in scale, and it's the perfect design. It's like the perfect that sixty four tetrahedron with the two torus spheres is perfectly at equilibrium in all aspects of it. It flows in throughout itself, out mm -hmm. through itself. Its center is equilibrium. It's perfectly equilibriumed out when it's radiating. It makes so fuck so much fucking sense and it's fractalized. You can zoom in and out on it. It'll always be there. It's constant and it built everything. So we spawned from a from a little fucking proton that expand and spawned into us, right? And it just built everything up until we're we're racing towards a singularity to where we'll all just I guess like if you think about it like a scale, it started as very small. 
we're zooming out till we hit like a fucking threshold that we then zoom back in towards singularity and complexity, right? Right. Till we all become just one fucking giant black hole proton, I guess, again. Right. And then it's just, everything is infinitely scalable. Everything is one and we're all connected. It's yeah. like, it's beautiful. Yeah. That's beautiful. Yeah. Right. Yeah. We all are connected and we're all one. Yeah. Well, and we all are in a way. Even if you take away... Whether you like it or not, bunk funkers. <laughs> you're you're Unfortunately, stuck. this is the reality. You're stuck. But when you think about it, in our universe, even with what we know now, heavier elements, other than hydrogen, helium, they all have to be created... Like, helium has to be created in stars. Yeah. Everything heavier than hydrogen has to be created in stars. And so everything that exists, including us... Heavier than hydrogen. Right. We had to be created in stars. All the elemental backing to everything that exists that's not hydrogen in our universe has to be created. So in a way, it's like everybody is connected because there's a finite amount of matter right. inside our universe. There's not infinite matter. And so it's all just about how it's placed across this space. So right. in, in a way, yeah, I agree with you. Like Harmane's ideas make sense in the context of like what you said it's just this infinitely scalable shape because everything at the end of the day the only way that we understand matter is just in the way that it's positioned within the space around us and so if you have this infinitely scalable stabilized shape the design of it makes so much sense yeah you think well why wouldn't nature come up with that why wouldn't that just be where things end up through if whether you think it's whether you think it's designed that way or whether you think it's just beautiful chaos getting to a good point, it seems like it would make sense that it would get there or something similar. Yeah. Um, I do think that it's interesting, though, because like you said, futurology, the simplicity of it in a way, it, <laughs> it's, it's not that simple, I guess. It, but. No, if it takes me fucking five hours of documentary watching and looking up shit on Reddit. It's not simple. Right. Yeah. And I've only really kind of etched around the surface of it. I'm sure if some hollow fractal fans listened, they could probably pick apart what we talked about, but you have to understand hollow fractal friends that, you know, we're doing our best to give the whole enchilada on this subject from two guys who are not very smart and not <laughs> well up on the physics. And like, I can't, yeah. we can't spend, six months trying to do a topic that's not feasible yeah so give us a i'm just saying give us a break give us a break um but um one one thing that strikes me is that obviously the comparison was made to garrett lisi by bob in his post on his blog that garrett lisi was not affiliated with a university right garrett right. lisi published his paper almost immediately drew attention from academics. Yes. To be fair, Garrett Lisi was involved in the academic community for a while. Yeah. He's an academic. I still think that that says something about Haramain's work that it's, you know, that it's never been published in a real academic journal. Right. I mean, we can, we can sit here forever and debate the merits of the scientific community or the academic community. There's a lot of bullshit. There's a lot of oh, totally. stupid stuff. And I get why people are aggressive against it. But at the end of the day, it's like there are still scientists right. who are behind it. It's like Bob says, there's 
hundreds of thousands of scientists in thousands of positions all over the world, and none of them give a shit about this theory. You literally cannot find information from scientists talking about it. It's people on Reddit. It's people on blogs. Right. Besides and then science it's, domain or whatever international that he got it published yeah. in, and he acts like it's like a real paper, but it's like there's a lot... It, Science Domain International can't even get a Wikipedia page because it, it keeps trying to fucking act. It keeps trying to grift. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's it's either stuff that's connected to Nassim Haramain. Right. Where this information is. Or it's blogs and people talking about it in their spare time. There's no. I didn't find anything that was a, like a science person or a write up about it or anything. Right. It's just none of that stuff. So to me. It says something that there's no scientific attention at all being given to this. Right. That people, that it's not even, it's not even worth scientists' time to debunk it. There's not even a Neil deGrasse Tyson video talking about why some of the parts of this are fundamentally wrong. And he'll annoyingly go after almost anything. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) It's like, he attacks the dumbest stuff and it's like does anybody even think this so to me the fact that there's just no attention at all kind of gives me the feeling like there's so little here that it's so fundamentally flawed and that nobody even begins to take it seriously that it's not even worth right bringing up by the scientific community and again bunk funkers Say what you will about the scientific community. Right. I still think that any amount of attention, even if it was people saying, here's where this is wrong. Right. Because Garrett Lisi got a lot of support, but also had a lot of detractors. Yeah. Because his work is not finished. Admittedly, he's even said it. Yeah. There are missing parts of it that make the theory incomplete. And, and it has to be resolved. Until then, it's it's just... It's a theoretical, it's an idea. It's a concept. Hermine's papers are not big either. They're like seven, eight pages. Um, you can, you could kind of make your way through them. Uh, obviously, again, like, yeah, there's a lot of big physics words thrown in there. So it's really difficult to digest for somebody yeah. who is not into physics. But it seems as though people who are into physics and understand it can take a quick look at it and be like, okay, what the fuck are you talking about? Like, yeah, all the things that Bob brings up, it's like, I mean... It's like, yeah, I guess I didn't realize those were things because I don't know the general theory of relativity or anything. Yeah. But it's like, yeah, I guess there isn't anything about how black holes radiate. And so it's like, well, what about that? Like, what about all the radiation? What about the thermodynamics? Yeah. What about the attraction between the two of them? You say that you've found a way to describe the quantum world with stuff from the cosmic world, but you ignore some of it and just pick on some of uh, other parts of it right right so yeah it's a weird grift though if it is a grift why to me i almost feel i mean it does have it has those new age aspects a new age classic grifter territory right classic grifters classic grifter territory now, i'm not saying everybody in new age stuff is is a grifter a lot of no. people are very sincere but it's a classic place to grift people right because you can throw up any kind of dumb thing that you... I bought some chamomile tea from a place that sells essential oils. So sue me. Right. I want to try this tea. Okay, I'm going to sue you. <laughs> uh, so, new age, kind of classic territory for grifters. But this is a weird grift. I mean, I guess the crystals, 
the Kickstarter. I mean, maybe he just skimmed the funds off of it, but he still I made think movies. He believes it. I think yeah. he believes what he's selling. He seems more sincere than not. Right. I mean, I think there's probably is an aspect of grifting to it, but oh, for sure. At the same time, I don't know that Haramain probably sees himself as a grifter. No, he probably thinks he's the next Einstein, and he just right. thinks that nobody else. It's one of these things where it's like that. It's like those people who are douchebags in the world. Not I'm saying Harriman's a douchebag, but it's like you ever meet these people where it's like, mm-hmm. ah, well, everybody just fucking hates me because they don't understand. But it's like <laughs> they it's hate like, me because they ain't me. Right. It's like it's so it's they like, just no, keep, we hate you. They keep you... acting how they are. And it's yeah. like like very defensive and they push people away. And it's like right. it's like, no, everyone hates you because of how you oh, are. Yeah. Not because of not because of your achievement, because you suck. He's like, well, they throw tomatoes at me and they don't let me in. It's like, well, no, it's because you keep like saying things that they all know to like, he always has this story of like being like, they show this graphic of the world expanding. And the way they show the graphic of it is that there's a man blowing into a balloon that's covered in pennies and the pennies like represent galaxies or black holes or some bullshit. And the balloon represents the universe. And he always goes like, well, I ask who's this guy. And it always gets a big laugh. And like, he always says that. And then he'll say, that's like a thing that he does that people get annoyed by. And it's kind of like he explains that the guy blowing the energy is the dark energy, the vacuum energy that he's trying to explain. Mm. But it's kind of like, okay, but maybe people are just getting annoyed that you keep. And that's valid. You should be able to ask questions. But at a certain point, I guess I, I guess I would assume if you were amongst a bunch of physics academic types, like if you were a bunch of PhD students all together hanging out, who are all physics people and you're hanging out with like your professor and you keep asking like rudimentary questions and stuff. People are going to be like, okay, well, like, what's your deal, dude? Like, do you actually understand what the fuck's going on here? Like, <laughs> why do you keep asking? Like, like, wait a minute. What's mass. <laughs> it's like, if you're at the PhD level of physics, you should know what mass is at all times. You should know what. It'd be like if I went undercover as a <laughs> physics PhD. Yeah. And they were like talking about something and, and they're like, well, what are your thoughts on this matter? And I'd be like, <laughs> doesn't matter. Yeah. 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 And then yeah. I'm like, I got to go to the bathroom. <laughs> like every time we talk, try to talk to him about, he's always just sitting there listening in. And then we try to t- ask him a question. He makes some dumb joke and has to I go keep, to the bathroom. I keep bringing up quantum foam to him. Cause we're really trying to figure this out. And it's like, we have this very complicated string theory going on. And that guy's always taking dumps. <laughs> every time we ask him to take one part of it. And peer review it. I'll tell you where there's some quantum foam <laughs> in my undies. I gotta get to the toilet. <laughs> <laughs> oh, String theory. We hit the strip club later. <laughs> String bikini. <laughs> yeah. What's that guy's name? I think he goes by like Andrew Hartsfinkt. And he's got that big goofy mustache. And he's always wearing that 10 gallon hat with a. Hole in the With middle? an obvious camera installed in it? <laughs> I just thought he was from Germany. I didn't... It was just some weird eccentric live streamer. <laughs> undercover physics PhD. It's like undercover boss, but worse. Yeah. What was I? <laughs> there was no point in me doing it either. <laughs> there was no greater goal. No. At the end of the day, at the end of it, it's just like undercover boss. You go up to each one of them and you like award them a prize. And they're like, what the fuck? We spent six months of our lives trying to figure out this paper and you were so unhelpful <laughs> i don't need a free trip for me and my family to raging waves water park oh no 
I don't need you to pay for my education. I hey, have a massive grant. I know I I know I violated your trust by going <laughs> undercover and lying to you. But here's a vacation. No, I still can't get you health care. <laughs> the company can't afford it. Marissa, you are an incredible inspiration to us all. Uh, your passion for quantum foam and, and, and theoretical physics is, 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 is unmatched by anyone else on the team. I'd like to award you this half-eaten Snickers bar that I found in my backpack. It's <laughs> like, like, thanks. You fucking lied to us. You wasted so much time and money. <laughs> I know it seems that way, but I really have to go to the bathroom. <laughs> Next time on Undercover PhD Students. <laughs> You're like on fucking stilts. You're like, oh, guys, whoa. <laughs> Hello, fellow doctors. <laughs> Not yet. I know. <laughs> I mean, this fall on every Network. ABC family. <laughs> Discovery Plus. Um, You know, the, again, and I think I think Haramane, again, with the ancient knowledge stuff, loses a lot. I mean, it's like immediately you're going to lose major credibility with a lot of the scientific academic community, when you start saying in your documentaries on camera, you think fucking aliens came down and helped the ancient Egyptians using right. your God particle thing to build. And I'm always like, I'm always like, okay, well, if that's the case and like, it's like, so the ancient Egyptians had it and the ancient Israelites had it and maybe some Mayas had it and maybe some ancient Chinese people had it. Where'd it go? Why did only they get it? Right. Where did it go? Yeah. Why was, was it in Greece? Was anybody in Greece using it? Yeah. Was anybody in uh, modern day Baghdad using it? Was anybody in Russia using it? Like what? I mean, no native Americans had access to this. No. So this alien, this, this God only gave it to certain civilizations for certain reasons. Why? Well, I mean, actually, why did they lose it? Where did it go? Or, the god gave it to the ancient Atlanteans, and so oh. the Ant Atlanteans only then dispersed it where they ended up after the destruction of Atlantis. So not every civilization was seeded by Atlanteans. I get it now. There's so, so many. I solved that order of magnitude problem. You solved the big order of magnitude right there. Um, I do agree with you with the ancient knowledge thing and Hiramane's not exactly the first person to no. come up with, uh, I mean, Graham Hancock and Robert Belval, their whole book is basically about math and geometry. It's, it's, it's not surprising to see them come up in this context, frankly. And they, people have noticed the golden ratio before with the pyramids in Egypt, especially the great pyramids at the great pyramid at Giza. But, I, you know, it's hard to assign a greater significance to it. You know what I mean? Like, it's one of those things where are we talking about just coincidence or because the way is very cherry picky. Yeah, because very cherry the way that you get at this is you say that this is this isn't an accident. And that it's coordinated with all the other stuff in the universe right. that has that relates back to the golden ratio. And it's just really, really hard to justify that, right? I think. But like a lot of things, I mean, this ancient knowledge, there's nothing really to refute it necessarily. 
we can't know that the, the ancient Egyptians didn't say, let's use this ratio. Well, I don't know. Andy, I'll tell you one thing. Yeah. Every time uh, we make a post on the internet, it gets ratioed by the first sick burn that comes in. <laughs> yeah, we're always getting fucking wrecked on our internet posts. Um, don't be so mean to us, please internet don't users. Us. Please stop. Um, Andy, what do, you, what do you think? Is there anything else you want to bring up about this topic before we get into verdicts here? Um, No, I don't. I mean, I'll say it again, bunk funkers. I just don't have the wherewithal to really get into the nitty gritty of, of a topic like this. You know, I can only focus on the things in the periphery. Yeah. Really? Because I have, I have no standing to debate yeah. the physics or the math involved in Haramain's. I have, I can no only go idea. based on yeah. the reactions to it. I have no idea if what Bob calculated for his, the, yeah. the, the dyne's energy of the proton is correct. I have, I don't is even Bob know what a fucking dyne is, is. Yeah. I don't know. It's some measure of force with something acting on it. Sure. I mean, you know. I don't know. Maybe you're lying to me. Yeah, I don't know. Bob might be wrong. Bob might be just as... I don't know who the fuck Bob is. Bob doesn't have a name. Yeah, but he has a name Bob. It's just Bob. Just B-O-B. Bob from the UK. Bob. That's all I know Bob about him. from the internet. So uh, he seems like he knows what he's talking about. I consulted an authoritative source. Haramain has obviously Bob res- from the internet. responded to him on multiple occasions and then deleted the posts. But, oh, wow. Uh, you know. So, uh, I don't know. I think we could get into verdicts here, Andy, if you want. Yeah, I think we could get into verdicts here. Let's go ahead with it. So, from a verdict standpoint, we're just really rating the plausibility of the holofractal universe theory, right? Just the 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 cosmology of it. Sure. Not necessarily the all of the things that have been hacked, tacked on top of it. Yeah, I guess so. So, just from a cosmology standpoint, I, I got to just... I'm going to be boring. I'm going to say straight down the middle plausible because in my mind, there are so many unanswered questions about our universe. Haramain very well could prove to be right or some semblance of right. It could be. He could turn out, could turn out to be wrong. Einstein could turn out to be wrong for the all I know. The floating head of Sir Patrick Stewart might one day record a documentary where we talk about how we were wrong about Nassim Haramain. Yeah. I hope someday that that's the case that, yeah. Patrick Stewart can narrate a documentary about specifically we uh, how we were wrong. Yeah, us. What about Aramain? Mr. Bunker's Conspiracy Time podcast? <laughs> not anything else. Not the community at large, but just us. God, I would give my fucking left butt cheek to have Sir Patrick Stewart cuss us out in oh a my documentary. God. Wouldn't you? Yeah. <laughs> Any bunk funkers want to pool their money together to get a cameo of Sir yeah. Patrick Stewart cursing at us? See on cameo? Yeah, I'm sure he is. So I do anything for money nowadays. Yeah. <laughs> oh, will he ever? I don't blame him. I would do the same. So I just gotta go. I gotta go flat out, freaking plausible. Because fair. I I just I I don't have the backing. You know, I'm less. I'm more fair. skeptical about some of the ancient yeah history stuff. But I think that he tacks that shit on. Yeah, it's like if I'm gonna get down to the base of the theory, I just don't know enough to say it's wrong. And right. if I'm being honest. Scientists may find flaws with it, but I don't know that anybody could honestly sit there and say, I can disprove every single no. piece of this. It's all theoretical. And so, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, I mean, here's the thing, Andy. You know what? I'm going to agree with you. I'm going right down the middle as well. Yeah. Figured. Straight up, straight up fucking plausible. Yeah. I think, though, I will say plausible plus to the idea that there is something in our universe that mm-hmm. connects us all. Sure. Uh, I will say that, and I will say also plausible plus to the idea that uh, 
energy, this dark energy, this dark matter is like with is real and it exists in the vacuum and it could potentially be the key to unlocking <clears throat> interstellar travel and all these problems that we have in society. I, I do yeah. think that um, I, I have no idea if it's true or not. I have no idea if what Hermine brought up was true or not. I don't know if I can glue. Yeah. But some other scientists seem to agree that there's uh, energy in the vacuum and there's this weird dark energy that exists. So I actually, you know, to kind of do a callback here, I did see a video doing research for another episode that we did about something in space. Neil deGrasse Tyson talking about the energy in the vacuum. Was he for or against it? He's for it. Wow. As far as I could tell. Neil deGrasse Tyson actually liking something about science. Yeah, hard to believe, right? Spent so much time fucking hating on it. So much time shitting on science. Especially fringe science. Yeah. (laughs) Which is way more fun than real science. Pseudoscience is way more fun. (laughs) Well, bugfuckers. Those were our thoughts. Uh, those were our verdicts. What do you think? Did we fucking wuss out? Did we explain it right? Did we do a good job? We know the answer is no, so you don't have to tell That's us true. that it wasn't a good job. Um, let us know what you think. Use the hashtag. I like undercover PhD. Yeah, undercover PhD. Get that trending. <laughs> undercover PhD. Let us know what you think on the holofractal universe. Email us, mrbunkerpod at gmail.com. Find us on Twitter and Instagram at mrbunkerpod. Look us up, MrBunkersConspiracyTime.com and on Patreon, if you feel so inclined, have the means to do so. You can get access to our Patreon-only show, new episodes every month, Andy and Art Debunked, covering all sorts of wild, crazy, fun topics. Um, Starting at a buck, up to like five bucks, ten bucks, you know? So, Patreon.com forward slash MrBunkerPod. MrBunkerPod. Andy, anything else, buddy? Oh, uh, wow. Uh, I just got to say, Jeremy, whew, you blew our minds, brother. As always, yeah. uh, we can always count on you to shoot it straight and make us think. And one last thing I'd like to shout out that uh, when Jeremy sent this topic in via email, in the subject line, he drew a penis coming all over the topic. <laughs> so he drew an eight with a bunch of equal signs, then a D. Then a tilde to represent the cum. Thank you, Jeremy, for putting a penis in the subject line. Wow, Jeremy. Uh, Good one. (laughs) I don't remember that, but good one. It might have been a different email. But anyway, so uh, Uh, for not. Oh, you're going to confirm it? I'm going to look. I'm going to look for it. Oh, it says. Oh, it does. It's a hollow. It says hollow fractal universe. And then there's. there's a tilt. There's there's a uh, close parenthesis, a tilde, a close parenthesis, tilde, close parenthesis. Then the eight equal signs and the D for the dick, and then a bunch of tildes for come, and then in parentheses it says splat. <laughs> so thank you again to Jeremy for sending in the topic, and uh, for not the titular Mister Bunker, but for my flap doodle, <laughs> flap doodle, <laughs> co-host Andy Hart. I'm Art Stone saying that was the whole enchilada. I'm hungry. You want to go to a breakfast place and get some flapdoodles? Oh, damn, that sounds good. Flapdoodle. Over easy egg. Maple circle. <laughs> Maybe a little bit of bacon. Sausage lunk. Sausage patty. Ham. Hash browns. Yeah. Home fries. Cottage big, fries. Big cup of coffee. Water down. 
big old cup of coffee, cup of sugar in it, quarter milk, coffee, milk, sugar, cream. A little stupid orange slice on the side that nobody eats. Yeah, I'm just going to throw it on the floor. Parsley. <laughs> throw that on the floor, too. Slice of pie. Chocolate cream. Lemon meringue. Blackberry. Apple. Peach. Hi, this is comedian and writer, and let's be honest, I do a lot of things. This is Dean Archipotus, the host of Whiskey Business, the podcast not so much about whiskey as it is one with whiskey. Yes, we drink and talk about whiskey, but we do so much more with so many interesting people. For example, we talk to comedians like Greg Warren. You know, I don't want to brag, but let's just say I can walk into a Red Lobster and get whatever. You know, I think the pause right there is probably more important than the word. Amazing athletes like boxing champion Buster Douglas. When a fighter's down and he's looking for his mouthpiece instead of trying to get up. That's when I knew it was over. Yeah, Yeah. right? And, yes, Bigfoot chasers. Do you believe in Bigfoot? And if so, does he really eat beef jerky? (laughs) The Bigfoot thing is people have seen these, and and I've seen a lot of compelling evidence about it. It's Whiskey Business with Dino Tripodis. Join us for what we call a good conversation with a good pour. You really can't ask for much more than that, can you, people? Check us out at whiskeybusinesspod.com, a proud member of the Evergreen Podcast Network.